Happy Monday there, Horribles. We hope you're enjoying this month full of fantastic LGBTQ content for Pride. Uh, today being Monday, we're putting out a rebroadcast of one of our old favorites. This is the episode Blood and Donuts. Uh, about the movie Blood and Donuts, uh, it's where we first became uh, aware of the term CanCon, as in Canadian content. Uh, it is with our good friend uh, Bronwyn Kelly Say, and it is about a vampire and his um, super weird uh, donut shop Canadian thruple. Um, it's a weird one. It's one that's available for free on Amazon Prime, last I checked. So you can definitely jump on and, and check that out if you haven't already. Um, but here it is. Make sure you tune in this Friday for a brand new episode. Uh, as we're bringing you brand new episodes with, you know, uh, LGBTQ content in horror movies every every Friday this month. Um, for the, our own supersize event. Uh, so hopefully you enjoy this and we will see you back here on Friday. Until then, stay horrified. Good evening, and welcome to Progressively Horrified, the show where we hold horror to standards it absolutely never agreed to. <laughs> Good evening, and welcome to Progressively Horrified, the podcast where we hold horror to progressive standards it never agreed to. I'm your host, Jeremy Whitley, and tonight we've met up at the most abandoned-looking donut shop in Toronto to talk about the Canadian indie vampire flick, Blood and Donuts. First up, comics writer Ben Kahn, what obscure flavor of donut have you ordered for this podcast? Uh, I'm going with s'mores cronut with crumpled up graham crackers and marshmallows on a chocolate glaze. Excellent. That sounds delicious. And I live and- almost next door to a super bougie New York donut shop, so I was kind of ready to go with an obscure <laughs> flavor for that one. <laughs> All right. Comics and fine artist Emily Martin, what obscure flavor of donut did you order? Oh, negative. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And finally, our special guest tonight, environmental scientist and one of the hosts of Ladies of Valhalla, all the way from Ontario, Bronwyn Kelly say, Bronwyn, what's your strange donut flavor of choice tonight? Well, I had to say, I had to look into this a little bit because there were a lot of options, you know, Canada full of donuts, but I went with pink champagne creme brulee with a caramel sugar bath dunk for the classic crack. I was going to go maple with free healthcare, but I felt like, you know, it's New Year's Eve, so. (laughs) I want to go to there. (laughs) It's called Boxcar Donuts and they deliver. Mm. Nice. They deliver to California? To to America? (laughs) I mean... <laughs> it's a long, that's a long Grubhub trip. Thanks to this movie, I am now obsessed with the idea that every flavor of donut in Canada is increasingly just more unlikely and obscure, and not like it is here, just different flavors of chocolate and cream. So I'm taking a chance and ordering a donut that tastes like meeting writing deadlines. <laughs> is that you don't taste that one? all the time? <laughs> I love, I love that taste. It's my favorite taste. All right, so are we ready to talk about blood and donuts, guys? Nope, let's do it. Oh my God, so ready. (laughs) My body is ready. Can you add? Holy shit, this movie. (laughs) I would like to suck your... Wait, oh no. Jeremy, when when I first heard the title of this movie and you described it as like indie Canadian vampire to donut shop, I'm like, okay, this sounds something like 2014 onwards, indie, competent, like, 
scrappy, self-aware, tongue-in-cheek horror comedy. As soon as I loaded it up on Amazon (laughs) and I saw the word, and I saw parentheses 1995, I'm like, oh, I better buckle the fuck up. (laughs) (laughs) This movie bested me. I thought I had seen every weird, obscure 1995 vampire movie, and I had not seen this movie. And it was like a weird forgotten love letter that was left under the ancient hotel room bed. Love letter to who? To me. To you. To To the two of you. To Gordon Curry's abs. Yes. (laughs) No, no. To Gordon Curry's weird curly bangs. What? Yeah. Maybe that was his like medieval haircut from when he was like a baby vampire. Gordon Curry (laughs) fucking smokestack this movie. Oh my God. (laughs) I mean, those are good abs to have. (laughs) And how much of this movie is Gordon Curry shirtless in a bathtub? Not enough. <laughs> a significant amount. A not a not insignificant amount. It's a lot of... He has multiple scenes in the bathtub. Yeah, I, I guess a little bit about this movie before we dive into it. I think the obvious question for anybody who's watching this with us is, how did we end up with this movie? And, ah, um, sorry. <laughs> the answer is... Well, the answer is, when I was making this this list of potential movies initially... I was like, I'm going to go through and find like every recent horror movie that's directed by women that I can and just throw this on the list. And at some point we'll get to them. You know, we can talk about it. It'll be cool to talk about, you know, different genres of horror through the you know eyes of, of female directors. And uh, this is directed by Holly Dale, who is a, a Canadian director who, gosh, if you look at that IMDb page, it sure is full, but not of movies. It's a lot of a lot of episodes of TV shows, almost every like sci-fi and a lot of like b-level sci-fi shows that have been out in the last you know 10 years she's got one or two episodes under her belt equally interesting like uh the writer andrew ray burzins uh has the same sort of resume uh things here and there not much in the way of features and then uh it stars gordon curry uh louis ferreira and helene clarkson um all of which also have just pretty bizarre resumes which uh, i i (laughs) I wrote down as we introduced them in the the movie, like what they're most notable for um, as we go through, but just kind of an idea of what this movie is about. Uh, A a vampire wakes from a long sleep to find himself in 1990s Toronto and uh, makes his way to an all night donut shop where he quickly finds himself in the middle of a love rhombus and the Toronto mafia. Um, All three members. Does this um, movie have a three-act structure? Because I remember being an hour into it being like, is this still act one? What's happening? This is this like is a day in the life. life. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is yeah. uh this has a little bit more of a creative uh pacing. Yeah. yeah. This movie most goes films. as long as it goes and then it ends. Yes. This it's 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 uh, yeah, free form. We'll go with free form. <laughs> I feel it like does- I feel like I don't even need to ask you guys where you would rate this on the scare level. Bonkers. Like, <laughs> I rate this movie bonkers. Seconded. <laughs> it barely qualifies as spoopy. It's definitely not, strictly speaking, a horror movie. Um, it There's is, some existential angst happening, though. I was it, it flabbergasted is a, at everything. <laughs> it's... It's... It feels like an 80s crime movie with a vampire and 90s level angst. 
Um, <laughs> there is nothing even moderately spooky in it, though. Like, you know, he, I, I, I don't think he does like a full vampire thing until like two thirds of the way through the movie. And even then, like, it's not frightening. <laughs> definitely was not clear if he was actually a vampire or just a sleepy homeless person with a coke nail <laughs> i mean he started with 10 of them but then he broke them off like they were twigs and i think that was the scariest part of the movie it's, which yeah. is in the beginning legitimately so. was the scariest part of the movie that actually broke my husband i was definitely watching it i was like ow what no doesn't work like that unless that dude has like some crazy calcium but that long without blood i can't imagine who knows? Right. I mean, the baffling decisions right off the bat, the first thing we have in this movie is a man hitting golf balls, which then magically fly backwards directly into the oh, yeah, the, okay. the, the flying backward. Also, okay, can we talk about how bad a golfer this guy is? Because damn, oh my God, the swing on that guy. Could they not have found somebody who's ever taken a lesson? <laughs> I think that, I think, I think it's appropriate that the guy, the golfer, just has, is just the worst. I mean, you're like, yeah. that was in, an impressive level of poor golf swing. <laughs> I think all of the, uh, the, not to get ahead of ourselves, but what I am, all of the class discussion of that film was between those fr first shots and then the rest of the movie. No. And you know uh, what that was? Is the difference between Toronto Island and Toronto. <laughs> ah, see, uh, this we is important. never see this man again. Nope. He is just casually hitting golf balls into urban Toronto. Because he's chilling on the beach, on the island, you know, what maybe sipping on some like coconut juice, listening out. to some music. <laughs> It looked what? like he, he was also in a, like the roof of an abandoned building. And I'm like, is this an apocalyptic vampire donut shop? <laughs> what, what kind of trigger warnings do we have on this? I mean, there's, there's suicidal ideation, yep. moderate that violence, blood, and several uses of the R word. Um, and horrifying nail breaking sound. <laughs> like a little bit of body horror but yeah i think the most objectionable uh, you know horror movies you have the blood and the violence and stuff like that and some some kind of questionable imagery you know if you if you have a very very soft spot in your heart for rats and pigeons mm -hmm. but i think the most objectionable thing about this movie is the repeated use of the r word um but it does come from a, a villain so yeah there is at least that specifically we'll david cronenberg yeah oh man you took it i was gonna it's gonna wait till later. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> um, all right. Oh, so David Cronenberg gives the best performance of the movie. I don't know. I mean, that's debatable. He was very good, but but yeah. did he do an accent? Oh, but I'm I'm sorry. That line where he calls Axel on his accent was one of my favorite things. He's like, "Dude, you grew up in Toronto. What is that?" That could <laughs> yeah. have been in the script. That had to have been a Cronenberg ad lib. I loved that. Like, I just, that made me so happy. I can't, my face hurts thinking about it. I laughed. I laughed. So David <laughs> Cronenberg in this movie plays himself. <laughs> and he's titled as Crime Boss. Yeah. yeah. So he plays himself. If you don't know who he is, uh, he's like, he's another one of those folks on the uh, the list that has kind of a weird roster body horror he makes a lot of body horror horror movies yeah. if yeah, you ever... don't know who he is go watch existence you'll figure out who he oh, is boy. Have you ever or seen that of where the guy's head just full-on explodes and it flies everywhere 
that's Cronenberg. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's All scanners. Right. Mm-hmm. Let's, uh... To be clear, Cronenberg plays the head of the Toronto Mafia who hangs out exclusively in a bowling alley. Because <laughs> who right. doesn't so... do their business there? So let's, uh, I, I, I guess let's love wrap up the non-spoilery and we'll just talk about <laughs> David Cronenberg for the next hour. Yes. Uh, so that's it for our non-spoilery section. So if you do want to watch the movie uh, before you hear us spoil the whole thing, you can go do that now. If not, stick around. In the meantime, we're just going to be talking about bowling alleys and why they make you rent shoes. <laughs> you, you can't <laughs> spoil this mark. movie. It's all <laughs> madness. <laughs> Well, in that case, uh, let's let's get into it. Um, we open with the moon landing, <laughs> which I thought was the studio ident. I was unsure for a minute there. I was like, "Is this? Um, are we introducing the? Is this a studio? It's going on really long." For we couldn't even remember card. if we were watching the same movie. Oh, okay. I definitely, I definitely had to go back and check and like make sure I was like, "I'm like, is there another blood and donuts?" Just up. Yeah, I. I definitely like pressed down on Prime to like make the identification <laughs> pop up so I could see like oh yeah it says blood and donuts all right yeah and, yeah, and that it, and Prime moon landing ends with it saying like in 1969 man landed on the moon and Boya climbed into a bag. <laughs> the moon landing has nothing to do with this movie. They could have used Woodstock instead, and it would have worked equally well. I know they have no, one throwaway line later, and it was great. I love that line. <laughs> there's no, there's a lot of weird stuff about the moon in this movie. It's very subtle. It's incredibly subtle. Oh my god, I did not anticipate anyone using the word "very subtle" in description of this movie. I'm not going to lie, you threw me right there. I'm broken. Listen, there is one moment where it's like the moon gets obscured by darkness. And I'm like, ooh, this is an interesting special effect. And then I thought about it for another thing. I'm like, wait, that's just a fucking cloud. <laughs> Listen, we'll get into the moon thing, but I have a whole theory about the moon thing. I'll, I'll get into it. But one, one thing that I do want to mention here is that now we're, since we're at the very beginning, Prime doesn't even know this movie. Like Prime, I, I looked up this movie on Prime and all of the hits were like Blood and that book. And I had to write it Donuts. And then there was not just Blood and Donuts, but Blood and Dach Nuts, you know, like the (laughs) O-U-G-H nuts. Um, And I was like, wow, this movie is really, I mean, even Prime is like, I I mean, I guess. Oh yeah, Yeah, we do have that. (laughs) No, we're talking deep cuts CanCon here, okay? Amazon was like, we have to go check in the back to make sure we have that. Yeah, I was I'm, like, Prime, I need to speak to your manager. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this was nominated for three different Genie it. Awards in 1995, so I'm, that tells you the state of Canadian cinema in the 90s, but... <laughs> Amazon, bring me Cronenberg, bowling, comma, donuts. <laughs> <laughs> You're a fan well, of Cronenberg... blood and donuts. 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 <laughs> yeah. Yeah, David Cronenberg was a complete surprise to me in this one because he's he's in the credits as cast. Yeah, and I, you know, the last time I saw David Cronenberg as an actor in a film was Nightbreed, and that's a movie. Yeah, that is sure. I mean, it might be several movies if I remember correctly. (laughs) Very long. It's not a movie, but uh, he has been appearing in a guest role in season three of Star Trek Discovery as an actor. No, really? Yes. I haven't seen that yet. Okay. He's mo- his role has mostly been to like have witty banter with Michelle Yeoh and it's great. 
Okay. Well, I'm there for that. <laughs> I am 500% there for that, just as I am for this movie. So, Boya does. Apparently, wake the up. bag is literal. He is yeah. uh, in a bag hanging around in a, an old warehouse when some man hitting golf balls at the screen, like the guys shooting arrows at the beginning of Men in Tights, um, <laughs> like fires a golf ball at us. It goes through a window and like knocks this bag down, and he wakes up and uh, we. <laughs> We get, get to a weird birthing Boya. scene. <laughs> I do want to, in the credits that go by, because I had to write this down when I saw it, the composer is officially credited as Nash the Slash. Oh, yeah. Oh, Heck yeah. I'm sorry, but Nash the Slash killed it, okay? Nash, Nash the, Slash. the Slash nailed the soundtrack. The sound in this movie is amazing. It's the best freaking part. They had the Gandarvis. They had all of the Canadian music in this. Like, I was just... Oh, I was Nash in my little nostalgic sl- heaven. Are the Pixies the Canadian? Slash? Oh yeah, uh, fucking Pixies. killed it. Yeah, I, I assume Nash the Slash just is like in a closet that is surrounded by synthesizers. Like, <laughs> hell yeah. I don't know. I want to be there. That it's like that, like that Beethoven scene in uh, in Bill and Ted. Yep. The song when Boya is like is in the graveyard and he's digging up his grave plot full of stuff. And that, an accordion. that rock yeah. song that's playing fucking goes so hard and it's awesome. Yeah. I wanted to like run into the woods and punch a bear with that song. <laughs> yeah. that was I, like I also that love that there was an accordion in that pile right? of stuff. He had a, obviously, you collect he had your vampire album dad. and a pile of uh other stuff and an accordion and uh, your vampire coat because you have to have your classic yes. vampire coat and then yeah, an those things are too expensive to buy every time you come back you gotta i mean hold on to those no word of a lie and that tailoring you know a bespoke coat you keep that you yeah. hold on to that you wrap it around your accordion and you bury that shit <laughs> <laughs> and long trench coats are also capes according to yeah. final yeah. fantasy 7 but the, um <laughs> The definitive word yeah the def- yeah <laughs> I, I i center most of my fashion definitions around final fantasy 7 i support Guys, that wholeheartedly holy shit how much of this how much of, is this movie just vincent valentine bakery au i <laughs> i wish this guy was this guy i don't know if, if vincent valentine has more personality than this guy but <laughs> You know, I mean, he didn't have a gun, so there's that. Um, I, really I will say like about this movie, vampire somehow made it into a '90s vampire movie. Like he just, I know, but like woke up late up, for an '80s the, vampire movie. Some of the effects are straight out of Buffy, and like when I say Buffy, I mean equal parts the movie and the show. Like there were literal effects from both places. Yeah, and I, I'm, I'm, I don't know that that's necessarily are, a good steal. But <laughs> are you besmirching this quality? of the totally legit and medically sound car battery defibrillator. <laughs> okay. 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 Okay, let's get let's <laughs> So let's as the token sure Canadian to and the token scientist in the house. <laughs> yes, Dr. Scientist, please. Now, I may or may not have made myself a silver nitrate cell to plate silver onto to jewelry because I like doing stuff like that. Like this is fun. I I love 
to science the shit out of it. I will do that. I will jack up a car battery just to see what it'll do. Have you defibrillated? Well, anyway, th- yeah. that's we. <laughs> but learning how it. to, you know, perform that level of magic from a mechanic manual was pretty spectacular. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> yeah, that's that's. Indeed. She's pretty good. Uh, I made AED. I I'll take it. <laughs> I, I did not know you're supposed to defibrillate someone's hand. You <laughs> see, goes from the hand to the heart, and that's how that works. I was particularly fond of the flame effect. Oh, oh yeah. Oh yeah. So it's I'm I'm pretty it sure it's so the good. same effect that they use in Mary Shelley's Frankenstein the movie. Um, mm-hmm. oh my God. Which is, is exactly what she's doing. Now I do want to say back to there where we're at here. There. The, the vampire Boya is played by Gordon Curry, who I don't remember having seen in a movie, but once I looked up, I discovered that uh, he is most prominently known as being the Antichrist in the Left Behind movies. Okay, for anyone who didn't grow up in Canada, watching him in Danger Bay. Oh my God. <laughs> oh, I didn't. I, I can't didn't say I'm familiar with Bay. Danger Bay. Oh, is that is that I mean, gonna he's... have to be? Is the Left Behind movie starring Kirk Cameron gonna have to be our next episode? I hope it, it is isn't. Not. That would be very unpleasant <laughs> for me. I cannot. I, I just want to say for all involved. Gordon Curry is my Danger Bay. Uh, he was also in <laughs> Highlander: The Raven and Forever Night and of First course. Wave and Earth: Final Conflict and Mutant X, which he also shared with Louis Ferreira. Earth: Final Conflict. Whoa. I know. Now, All of this amazing CanCon. Now the next, okay. the next person we meet actually is Earl, who's played by Louis Ferreira. Who uh, Boya catches a cab to the cemetery that's being driven by a guy that I was sure was a bit part of like kooky cab driver uh, named <laughs> Earl. And it turned out that this guy is like one of the three main characters of this movie. Because <laughs> he has he has an accent that uh, Bronwyn, as our native Canadian here, I'm going to need you to explain <laughs> to me what Earl's accent is supposed to be. Yeah. This guy, this guy looks like a Wilson and sounds like a walk-in. Yeah, that it, sums it up actually quite nicely, but I think it's a Wilson-Walk-in hybrid via Newfoundland meets Letterkenny. So that random uh, pluralization of things, like where does that come from? Oh, that comes from Canadians trying to do accents. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this was somebody who has seen a Joe Pesci movie. That was the level, I really think it was Christopher Walken doing his best Robert De Niro. And it's really funny because like, so Louis Ferreira, he's actually, he's a kind of a great actor as he's gotten older. He has improved quite a bit. Um, and he's, he's been in, uh, in a SCU, ton of stuff. Because his acting in this movie is insanity. I know. I want like, and I've I've seen him in so much. Like I've I've literally watched him my whole life. He's great. He was he's been credited in a ton of stuff, but he actually went by a different name for about twenty five years because he's he is Canadian Portuguese. He's actually Portuguese born and then raised in Canada. And um, you know, back in the day, having a Portuguese name like Luis Ferreira, that was not specifically conducive to doing well in the film industry so he actually went by justin lewis for 25 years so he's been in movies like shooter and uh hollywood starlet or true confessions of hollywood starlet and saw and dawn of the dead and like stuff that is you know kind of like legit and but he was not credited as as lewis ferreira he 
only started actually using his own name in 2008, I think. So his this accent, like Canadian through walking through Shatner through all of the New York cab drivers of the 1970s. Like this was the most bonkers movie accent I have ever heard. And mm-hmm. I just fucking watched Venom this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> oh, doesn't that just put it in its place? <laughs> A movie where Tom Hardy got into, woke up every day of filming and went, well, what accent am I going to do today? <laughs> and this is all of them at once. You know, oh like. Oh my God. The Girls? scene with him in the bathtub with like the scene with him, where boy is in the bathtub and Earl is like it's hitting him that boy is a vampire is some of the craziest fucking overacting I've ever seen. I know. It's, it's like so he just awesome. decided he was going to go all in like and whatever that looked like on any given day this was what he was going to do. Jeremy, yeah, you mean, say you got too many ums and ohs. This was what a cogent word every mm, 15 seconds. <laughs> Their relationship is my favorite part of this movie. Oh, big same. Boy, same for me. Boy and I Earl love are. the development of it. Like Earl starts off a little homophobic. He's a little unsure. He's not a hundred percent like, oh, I don't know. But you get this serious like pansexual vibe coming out of Boya. Like, mm, if it walks, I might be into it. You know. <laughs> Boya has also got. He, Earl will later discover that Boya has like a picture album full of Boya. In what seemed to be a series of like bisexual three ways, like you know, it's like Boya and what seemed to be a couple that he's definitely with, and yeah, I mean, if you're gonna live forever, here's where the movie. Speaking of just Boya and his sexualness, here's where the movie takes a bonkers turn again. Left at Albuquerque, if you will, (laughs) because again, Gordon Curry is gorgeous, like. (laughs) Gordon Curry looks like the fucking like angry, sexy, smoldering Lucifer painting come to life in this movie. Oh yeah. Oh my God, the bangs. He is, he is so gorgeous in this movie. And then they give him the ugliest brown nail polish. It looks like, it's brown. It's, his hands look like they're covered in shit. And he's like caressing people and being all sexy with fucking brown hands and it, brown blue hands and it's like wash it that's terrible nail polish it's the ugliest nail polish he's and dead those are his death nails i think those are supposed I think to that be is like what they were trying to covered get in dirt and yeah. stuff yeah yellow he clawed his way out of the grave or bag matt, i guess this yeah. was matt poo brown yeah, no, they were like basically they were like rotten nails. Yeah. Also, apparently they were like a quarter of an inch thick. Yeah. So, which is, I mean, Ooh. there's a lot of ways I could go on that one because in order to puncture people with your nails the way that he did, you you would need some real thick boys. I mean, rocking he really on the end of those fingers. Did but... just peel that guy's face off with his coke nail. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. Anyway, so when we meet Earl. This, is my, this might be my same, favorite scene of the whole thing. Because they're listening to this the same grunge loop, like this this grunge riff looping into infinity. And Boya is in the backseat of the car, just having like pulled himself out of a bag after having been there for like 30 some years. And uh 
and Earl looks in the back seat, and Boya appears to be crying. And uh, Earl starts giving Boya a speech about how it's okay to cry, and how he had a good cry when he lost his dog. And now every time he thinks about that dead dog, he cries a little bit. And you know, he thinks it's okay for guys to cry. I love him. I wrote him down as emotionally available cabbie. <laughs> I was yeah. so proud of this healthy masculinity cab right? driver. And then I realized he was the main character. And I'm like, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I when he when he came in and he was doing this whole thing about how men should be able to cry, I was like, okay, this is going. Oh no. Oh, he's gonna keep talking. Oh, he's not gonna stop talking. Oh, oh, okay. All right. Okay, we can do this. <laughs> Nothing will ingratiate an audience to a character, though, at, like the overwhelming love that they feel for their, like a character feels for their dog. That's like true. the 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 dog connection was already like, okay, I like him, yeah. you know. And that was a cute. It was a cute dog. He has like a picture of the dog in his <laughs> um, sunshade, you know. This cab driver who exists in a world that is a four hundred square foot radius. Zero traffic, which I have to admit, I lived in Toronto for a decade and never, not working nights, not in the middle of the night, not ever, is there not traffic in Toronto. <laughs> well, so that is something about this movie that, that needs to be mentioned is now that Earl has birthed again himself from the bag that was literally hanging in the warehouse due to the golf ball which they do transition the golf ball he picks up the golf ball and looks at it and then they transition to the moon and then he has a thing with the golf ball which again i'll get into but um this just this warehouse and every uh subsequent scene of this movie is just quintessential early 90s late 80s urban fantasy like there, there are brick walls everywhere and there's some steam and there's like, everything's shitty. Like, you know, we're, we're in the, the most abandoned area that you could find in Toronto, I assume. And like, okay, um, so admittedly there are areas of Toronto I'm not super familiar with. It's actually a pretty big city. <laughs> yeah. Right. So I can't claim to be an expert on the whole of Toronto, but I did live there for a long time, traveled around it quite a bit. Um, there are lots of areas of Toronto that have this like brick steam coming up, like le- like legitimately look like that. Just there's always cars, there's always people, there's always yeah. lights, and there's never that much garbage. <laughs> are there all night donut shops that people apparently spend all night at? Yes, every- that is actually a thing. They are on every other corner. But yeah. no, my favorite They're all Tim Hortons. Every <laughs> scene in the donut shop use the same extras every time oh my god plunging necklines on the dudes it's really it's really dudes just only one super ripped tank top man yeah. who keeps <laughs> in. i'm like is this dude in every shot at the donut shop like Holy he must have had a contract shit. with actra or something you know like <laughs> 10 years <laughs> later this will be the oh, donut had- shop from umbrella academy yeah oh, that's nice. why i'm just like oh, okay that everything in the donut shop would still have been one day <laughs> Yeah. So <laughs> this shoot, this entire film shoot could not have been longer than three weeks. But the the oh, the yeah. all of the sets in this movie, like there's a there's a particular '90s urban fantasy. Like you can th- this place, this archetypal world of brick walls and steam and garbage and you know reeking lights and random strobe lights. Of course, plastic sheeting for some for reasons. Always. Um, 
you know, you watch Buffy, Dark Shadows. All yeah, Dark Shadows. And then um, one of my favorites, this is the style of the uh, Doctor Who reboot for that take, took place in San Francisco, which, you know, not the same city as New York, or which I assume was where they they did Flatliners. Um, I can't remember where Flatliners takes place. I believe Flatliners was set in New York, but filmed in Toronto. <laughs> yeah, but then <laughs> you have you have this like essence, of, and then also the the Beauty and the Beast TV show with Ron Perlman. Yeah. Oh my oh, God! Yes, yeah. I thought I was the only one who ever watched that. Oh no! <laughs> Thank literally you. every show that came on like UPN or CW or wb on like a sunday afternoon is yeah either set here or in like some weird sci-fi future um or you know there's the the one that's set during the revolutionary war <laughs> that's different yeah <laughs> um also the crow but you know that's yeah. a different episode where was speaking of 90s ah. sci-fi where was sliders at where'd sliders film <gasps> Fucking vancouver. vancouver yeah yep. well a lot yeah. of that stuff was in vancouver yeah don't get me started on sliders, man. I have such a vendetta against sliders. Well, speaking of this, uh, this the real deal, donut Jerry O'Connell. <laughs> speaking of this ridiculous donut shop, this is where we uh, first get to the donut shop, and we meet Molly at the donut shop. Uh, Molly has played by Helene Clarkson, which uh, boy, this was an interesting one trying to like find other stuff people might know Helene Clarkson from because she's been in like three things, but now she's like a fashion designer who makes mm. like active travel wear and stuff for for the woman on the go so like literally like every time i looked her up i kept getting like this fashion website and finally i clicked on it like there's this big ass picture of her on it like clearly the same woman with gray hair i was like oh okay she has aged gracefully she looks amazing i'm i know my taste air on the side of the loud and flamboyant but i'm not loving her outfits they're too practical (laughs) <laughs> they're too practical for me i'm not seeing nearly enough crazy patterns not enough tassels not enough tassels this stuff is looks way too loose fitting and comfortable <laughs> <laughs> i can't be comfy when i'm type. going out i'm trying to look good so are you saying I mean, rita's more your type <laughs> rita who we will meet here shortly who i guess is we, we discover later is, is Boya's ex-girlfriend from 69 when he decided to go sleep in a bag. Nice. Who is, uh, who is upset about the fact that uh, he, he ran off and that she is aging. We, we meet around the same place. Who's played by Fiona Reed, who I know as uh, the Ian's mom from my Big Fat Greek Wedding. Uh, yes. But I guess is like a, has been on some fairly big deal like Canadian TV shows. Mm-hmm. Well, she was in uh, King of Kensington, which I've never seen, but seems to have had like 800 episodes. Yeah. So, Jeremy, you just intro- you just explained her deal when she is introduced in the movie. That is not how the movie plays it. For the first like 50 minutes, she is just random blonde lady who the movie cuts to every now and then and she makes weird faces. I mean, she shows when you her face up, she goes, ah, right? and like <laughs> her neck. And there are clearly like bite marks on her neck. And there then are that's implied like connections. all the information yes. we get. Yeah, there's compli- implied connections. Also, when he opens a scrapbook, when he gets to the graveyard, he has her picture there. And he gets so, Yeah, that's what I'm talking about when it's very subtle. This movie, if like you look away, you'll miss like eight things because most of the time nothing is happening. But then at one point there's like a, mm-hmm. a little info dump that is in like on the screen for just a second, which is how I like it. <laughs> you know, there's also something very like, 
Twin Peaksian, like David Lynchian about this movie is very like quaint and very flat sense of humor, but it definitely felt like that kind of again, even though it's Toronto, it kind of felt like that kind of big characters in small town, like yeah, vibe. welcome to Canadian I mean, film, yeah, <laughs> especially Cronenberg, yeah, just everything Cronenberg. I mean, honestly, oh, no. it's everything Canadian. Like, that's just, it's, uh, the, I shouldn't say everything Canadian. Obviously, that's not true. But there is definitely a small town sensibility. Because even like, even like in the big cities, like, not that there are so many of them, but say in Toronto, ev- Toronto is made up of a ton of tiny little communities. And each of those communities, like, when I lived in Toronto, I lived in a tiny little village area in Toronto that would shut down the streets for street parties in the summer for the kids Aww. to play. You know, like that was just a thing that happened. And, but we still also had access to 24 hour subway and streetcar and Ethiopian food whenever you want. So that was kind of nice. But I I feel like that contrast is like very much in Earl's relationship with the Toronto mobsters. Because at first I was like, okay, he must be in debt to them. He's trying to work it off. Like they're pressuring him. And then at a certain point, I'm like, do these two just not have a car? (laughs) <laughs> they literally need Earl's help just because he's so, the yeah. one with a car. Pretty sure. Yeah, because like I think they show up in this guys. scene where Molly is at the donut shop, and these two guys show up looking for Earl, who I don't think we've been introduced to as being named Earl yet. No, so, like, yeah, no, no, very when, much haven't. <laughs> when he shows back up later and is Earl, I'm like, oh, ah, oh, oh okay, <laughs> um, yeah. But Molly is like beleaguered, dealing with these two. Um, thugs one of whom is polite and seems to know what he's doing but is definitely going to kill you the other of whom is a a big talker who doesn't know what he's doing very clearly the other of whom has also seen joe pesci movies yes Yes. but it's actually called out on it by the movie which is great (laughs) i called them beige coat and secondary thug I called them curly hair and straight hair. Yes. I mean, their, their names were Pierce and Axel, which I found out later, but I still was stuck with beige coat and secondary thug because yeah. I feel Even like Molly that was more Molly doesn't know Axel's name. Even Molly's like, Pierce and that other guy were here. Right? Because <laughs> I don't think Axel like knows a- Axel's name. <laughs> yeah. Pierce's whole deal is he's, done, he's the worst at his job. But is calm about it, and then things kind of work out his way by happenstance. He's like, "Ah, oh, yeah, all according to my master plan." <laughs> you didn't well, plan shit, Pierce. He—that's the thing—is that that's why he has Axel is because if shit goes wrong, then he just blames Axel for it. Like that's yeah. the perfect symbiotic relationship. And Axel, you know, and Pierce is Axel's like access to mo- the the mafia because there's only two members of this mafia. And this is how Axel gets shoes. Yeah, this is how he gets shoes. He just waits <laughs> around for for David Cronenberg to to um, talk to him about cowboy boots or bowling well, shoes. We'll get or... this first scene with them uh, kidnapping Earl and getting Earl to drive them to the scene of a crime that they're about to commit, not telling him what it is. And I, I love this scene because like they get out of the car with their guns, and Earl's sitting there in the cab, hears shooting, and is like, hmm. Maybe I should leave. <laughs> these, these scary mafia guys told me to stay here no matter what and pick them up. Maybe I'll drive away. And like, drives a little bit down the block and then has second thoughts about it. Starts to pull over. And then Rita gets in his cab because he's driving around waiting for them in a cab. And Rita's like, hey, take me to the graveyard. And he's like, 
I guess. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I might like, be able to be like, oh, sorry, I'm not taking passengers. Like, he didn't even think to turn his light off? Like, what? Like, there is very is... Canadian humor to this, oh, I yeah. feel. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Don't want to inconvenience the lady or anything. The you know, worst so. getaway G'day. driver? <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, like, but the cat, ca- I don't know, cabbies all drive so slow because they don't want to get pulled over. They can't afford to lose their license or take the time. It's like, you had one job. Stick around with the car while crime happens. Keep the meter running. (laughs) I don't think he was even being paid, though. Like, I think Earl just knew these guys, and then... I think he was just too dumb to (laughs) not do it. explain what his relationship is. At at first, I thought, like, oh, he must be in debt or something. And I'm like, I think they're just mean to him and, like, bully him to, to, like, use his car. Yeah, but I I also like... Refuse. I like the way that they use language in this movie, though, to define the levels of bad guy. Um, Because, you know, overt misogyny towards Molly is, you know really bad guy like this is this is a bad guy this is the mafia dude this is this is the character you're supposed to not like but casual misogyny from somebody like earl is like oh okay so maybe he's gonna be redeemable he's an okay dude whatever you know (laughs) (laughs) earl there's a real feeling of like does he just not know any better is that really yeah nobody's ever been like hey earl you're dumb as shit (laughs) oh really I mean, like, I think Molly probably has. She certainly said a lot of things to him. Like, I don't like you. That we are not friends. (laughs) None of what she she literally says. Yeah. Yeah. Earl Earl bails and leaves him without a ride, which they never address where they go or how they get away after that. I guess they just put their guns away and walk home. Um, I mean, Pierce is wearing a really big coat. Is a very, <laughs> very large tan they coat. Just catch the wind and fly away. On the yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, he takes. He goes ahead and takes Rita to the cemetery. Uh, but this is where we get to meet uh, David Cronenberg, uh, who is playing mafia boss or crime boss or, or whatever. He doesn't have a name beyond Cronin that. Cronin boss. Cronin boss. <laughs> the new. You can tell DLC he's a real bad guy commercials. because. He gives what uh, Alicia likes to refer to as a rose garden speech, which yeah, is a, a speech where somebody starts talking about the details of a thing that are completely unrelated to what's going on in the movie. And then they're like, that's kind of like this thing where I kill you. <laughs> I was really waiting for someone to be like, hold on, did you call us to the bowling alley just so you could make this speech? And then they showed him back there. I'm like, oh, I guess he's just always hanging out at this bowling alley. This is legit his office. Yeah. Tony yeah. Soprano had the strip club. Cronenberg crime boss has the bowling alley. This is what they could afford. Yeah. <laughs> 90s one... indie Canadian no budget. They could yeah. afford... 90s the Indian snack, Canadian they mafia. They could afford the snack bar of a bowling alley for, I'm going to guess, two hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is about as long as they could afford Cronenberg. <laughs> <laughs> well, they did, get, they did get a little Cronenberg at the end. They could still afford a little more Cronenberg. They were able to afford Cronenberg at a second location. But he was <laughs> chewing that scenery. I, I mean, talk about making a mark. Like... <laughs> They were like, okay, roll it. And the Cronenberg's like, do you know, do you, sometimes you eat the bar and sometimes the bar eats you, you know, or whatever. He's but, great. Yeah, you I know. know and he's just why when you go to a bowling alley, they give you rental shoes. 
you know what? At least he stood up for some scenes, which is more. So, you know what? More than you can say for John Goodman in The Gambler. Yeah. A fantastic role in a very mediocre movie where I have to imagine it, it was in his rider that he would not have to stand up at any point during the film. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. I'd love to get a handle on some of those out. riders. Tells them to go uh, get Axel some new shoes because his shoes are terrible. Uh, and then tells them that they need to go handle Earl. Uh, you know, he, he trusts Pierce to go handle Earl. Meanwhile, we get catch up with Boya, who has rented a room at a place that we will later learn is across the street from the donut place. We won't learn uh-huh. that until it's like plot relevant. Jeremy, everything in this movie happens in a, within 400 feet of each other. Yeah, yeah. I thought it's meters. It's Canadian. The turf of that. If crime. we panned Damn. another 20 feet, we would find out the cemetery is on the other side of the donut shop. Probably. <laughs> but you need a cab to get certain. there. Yeah, uh, oh, of course. I mean, look, it's a solid three minute walk. <laughs> Can't do that in heels. Uh, and apparently, yeah. fucking suburbs people don't walk anywhere, as I've learned from working in the suburbs. <laughs> yeah, it sucks. New Yorkers are like, what was that? Like 45, 50 minutes? Yeah, that's totally walking distance. <laughs> yeah, we don't have sidewalks here. So <clears throat> it's not, nothing is walking distance when you can get hit by a tractor trailer at any moment. <laughs> That is true. That's a very good point. <laughs> We're sort of on the cusp of that where I am, but um, yeah the 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 guy who runs the the uh, concierge, I guess, of the hotel. Uh-huh. That's um, very kind. Yeah, <laughs> he's in two scenes. Those are bigger words than this establishment deserves. <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> the guy behind the desk at the hotel at the quote-unquote hotel um which i'm sure is just like it, it feels more like a set than a hotel like how weirdly surrealist can we make this hotel it's almost yeah. like all the way on the other side of the spectrum of shitty to be like deliberately like do you want to do you want to rent a room it makes you feel like you're in an odd nerdrum print well <laughs> I, yeah I, I bet if we dug deep enough, we would find out that that hotel set is in like six different Canadian horror movies. Yeah. Yeah. At least. Probably. I mean, it has <laughs> great one... walls that you can punch through and dig rats out, which is yeah. the way it does. He keeps digging rats out of the walls to drain the blood from rather than. You can't get those fucking amenities at the Four Seasons. <laughs> right? And you also just don't get four those seasons huge garden. <laughs> vacuous bathrooms. That have like the tub on one side and like a tall like cathedral ceiling, and then this like is the literally what the <laughs> this is literally what the bathroom was like in the one four seasons I've been to. Uh, the the Baltimore tiny mirror? the Baltimore one where they put us up for uh, BronyCon uh, had just a giant a giant freestanding tub like that, and then just a giant mirror that took up one whole wall. Um, which had a TV inside of it because it's the Four Seasons and why the fuck not, I guess. <laughs> this yeah. hotel, every room in this hotel looks like it could have been the scene of a haunted wedding that went wrong. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They've all definitely been the scene of a murder. That's yeah. for oh, sure. Certainly. Yeah. I think the blood was still on the walls. but Not um, with the rat. Oh, yeah. Well, the, guy, <laughs> the guy behind the counter there, which was very, less of a counter and more like a podium, was also had the plunging neckline just like the guy at the donut shop pretty sure they were different guys because this guy was the guy in the hotel was significantly older but i was just like 
amazed by how much like man cleavage I was seeing in this film. Like that's just what it's like in Canada, right? Yeah, in the nineties. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's so Look. cold the rest of the year that in the summer it's just all V necks for everybody. Well, yeah, and honestly, that a... lasts well into October just because it can. <laughs> honestly, yeah. if you're as shredded as Gordon Curry is in this movie, why would you wear a shirt? Well, that's the thing is that he's not the ones, he's not one of the many older gentlemen wearing this like deep V that goes beyond their solar plexus. Hey, like, he, uh... is, he is dedicated. It is either vampire coat or nothing. Yeah, this is really nothing. As well, it should be. <laughs> go big and or go home. Vampire exactly. or naked, the only two genders. Yes. <laughs> this is also about There's the point in the movie where it starts spider, really leaning it. into this uh, vampirism as addiction thing. Yeah. Uh, which is, is going to be the theme in big caps for this movie. <laughs> is which vampirism is just- as addiction. Connected to Earl and liking donuts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> kind of. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they do say that is that is not subtext. That is text. Yeah, that's yeah. Literal text. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, there's a um, there's something to be said about that, because not only, you know, Jeremy, you mentioned that this is an 80s vampire in a 90s movie. Mm-hmm. This movie came out the year after Interview of the Vampire, which also involved um uh vampire uh eating rats so um you know as as brad pitt vampire or whatever louis armstrong not louis armstrong no, <laughs> definitely not who the vampire yes. is not at all if, if i saw a movie about louis armstrong as a vampire like give it to me now but oh my God, unless he's played I'm, by brad pitt then i'm not take interested. my money no no, yeah, no I brad pitt. that'd be a bad casting yeah. choice but so take this my money. movie so interview of a vampire had a budget of 60 million blood and donuts does not did not have a budget yeah people paying out of their pocket like if <laughs> if interview with the vampire is 60 million then that has to be like six billion percent more of a budget than blood and donuts yeah yeah I mean, um, they spent all their they spent all their budget buying David Cronenberg lunch when he was there, you know. Yeah, <laughs> and shoes. And it wasn't even that nice of a lunch. It was just a food truck. <laughs> <laughs> a food truck. No, it was one of those catering sandwich trays. Uh, believe me, I've been on one of those sets. <laughs> well, I'm sure he got a lot of donuts that were yes, crazy, full of true. kiwi, kiwi, <laughs> like New Zealand, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, Do you think they yeah, had craft services, or they're just like, look, we spent a lot of money on these fucking donuts. You can have, <laughs> you can have food, or you can have set dressing. You cannot have both. Yeah, exactly. Fortunately, no. this movie is very dialogue strong, um, and the dialogue is strong. Um, but uh, shit, I was gonna say something about. Oh, um. Yeah, so Interview of the Vampire just happened. Also, you know, Interview of the Vampire was 1994. A lot of a lot of rock stars hitting their 27 mark uh, in 1994. And, um, you know, being a movie about addiction, I thought that was kind of a cool little uh, discussion because this is at the height of heroin chic with grunge and everything. Which um, very much was an Interview with the Vampire. Yes, yes, Honestly, Even Boya, I feel like, does kind of have that. Kurt Cobain does have some of that energy. Like, yeah, he yeah. did have like a very Kurt Cobain jawline, um, and it kind of reminded me, especially the, that sort He'd of just also been to the gym and eaten a sandwich. Yeah, yes. also that just like 
you know, just that. Um, and washes his hair. But again, what you're saying with 27 <laughs> Club, that kind of, um, you know, with what, especially where the character goes in the end with finally killing him, with, uh, with committing suicide via awful agonizing sunlight. Yeah. Was, yeah. Oh, it's awful. It was not like a fat, like some vampires they're in the sunlight and it's like, poof, you're gone. This yeah. is like, oh no. This, uh, yeah, but, there was, I mean, that that was a very like 90s grunge It was a little thing. like, you yeah. know, a little like goth rock. Choices were made. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I, like, yeah, I'm a, pretty sure Kurt, that was I deliberate. feel like if you combine like Kurt Cobain and like Robert Smith. Yeah, I thought that, that that was cool. That being said, like that sort of rock star thing with Boya was more about his flavor than his actual character, I think. That is to say that his character was sort of this backdrop for most of the other characters. He was like the least interesting character of the movie. He was, yeah. Um, it was mostly like watching these other characters try to figure out what the hell is going on with themselves and him. He was and, more a catalyst uh, than a character. Sometimes yeah, using yeah. Literally, literal research checked out from the library. <laughs> on clowns <laughs> and circuses. Yeah, <laughs> like... He says a word and then Molly like looks it up. I like read What the is book. this circus? <laughs> what is the circus? <laughs> I'm gonna buy oh he said dream and circus and she didn't get a book on exterminators though. No so, I think I that might have been covered the in mechanics. It's something a little bit different. Oh. Uh, yeah, so we the, the next thing we get is is where everybody meets up. Like Earl and Boya end up back at the place. Boya and Molly have this very long interaction about donuts and uh, Boya not seeming to understand anything. And then eventually... And his neck is like very sl- slowly just becoming less and less extant. Yeah. Like he's shrinking into his body for some reason. He's a very weirdly physical actor. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Very weird and physical. Yes. Um, that's precisely how I meant it. Yes. Thank you, Jeremy. <laughs> yes. And then, uh, so the, the mafiosos show back up and get Earl to go outside with them. And uh, at which point, Boya follows them out and um, kind of beats them up, throws them around a bit, and then cuts the cuts the guy's face a little bit with his nail and makes it bleed. And then decide seemingly decides not to eat him. I guess I guess we'll call this an action scene. He just kind of flashes his vamp face a little. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, he does his his dread gaze, you know, later, he- but the um. Yeah, he just kind of threatens the guy and he's like, ah, blah. <laughs> and then fucking Chuck E. Cheese plastic fangs and super coked out eyes. Yeah, yeah. and then Earl is like, wow, he's out. never seen Jack. some shit like that. <laughs> um, Have you ever played Jack too? He just, he just turns into Dark Jack. <laughs> <laughs> they, they go back in and Boya's like, Boya seems genuinely concerned about Earl and the it was like, ah, oh, no, they're probably already trashing my my place right now. And Boy's like, if you're worried, you can come stay with me. And Earl's like, yeah, let me take you up on that shit, weird guy who I just met who has vampire fangs. I will come <laughs> sleep place. on your floor. <laughs> so I, have no of Earl. Follow- I have no follow-up questions, man, who almost cut off a dude's face with his coke nail. <laughs> That's where I'm. I'm thinking that Earl is definitely, like, at least bisexual. Mm. Um, curious anyway yeah they also do this thing in the scene oh yeah they also do this thing in the scene where Boya's like perception wanders like you you get the impression that he's seeing things through some sort of astral form that's wandering around the restaurant looking at people and it you know 
settles on Molly and he starts making faces about Molly. It had some sort of connection, it seems. Um, is this before or after he eats the rat? I mean, I which one? After he eats the rat, but yeah, exactly. Well, when, he, when he eats the rat in the donut shop where he, oh, uh, yeah. he like he like spider crawls across the floor, oh. like shuffles <laughs> and then grabs a rat and the... Uh, now that's like, an obscure donut flavor. Yeah. <laughs> there's your own egg (laughs) i actually don't know what the serological properties are of mouse blood (laughs) i yeah i don't know what the if that rat was a negative but um certainly uh filled but (laughs) that has a whole jelly lovers (laughs) there's no explicit sad rat death it's mostly poster they're all villainous rats see them steal from people and beat up old ladies and stuff yeah yeah he says that he's an exterminator and there's this really weird combination of exchanges here there's their their dialogue where they're talking about like she discovers him behind the counter and he has blood on him and he's just put the rat in the garbage and he's like oh i bit my lip what are you doing and he's like nostalgia (laughs) and she's like qua and um He's like, I, I used to be an exterminator, you know, <laughs> it was just like, so that, I think that interaction kind of sums up the the connections in the film and their nature, <laughs> because everybody in that yeah. movie is sort of like trying to infer what is happening. Uh, can we talk about the scene that is clearly the like apex of this movie? Which is after uh, after everybody goes home for the night, and Foya is uh, hanging out in his favorite bathtub and um, makes some sort of psychic connection with Molly wherever her house is, which uh, according to Ben is next door anyway. Um, you know, <laughs> it is a house though. Away. Yeah, mm-hmm. she she lives at a nice. house with some of a yard, and they make some sort of psychic connection while she's asleep and he's bathing, and then. I, they, they do something that involves orgasms here. I don't, I don't know exactly like what happens, but they're both like very excited Arriving. about the psychic scene. <laughs> it's very Red Shoe Diaries. Yeah. Oh my God, it is. <laughs> also, that bathwater is filthy. He's in. Is he? I think he's in like milk. In I was that gonna scene. say. Yeah, Steve asked like me that milk. too. He's like, "What is he bathing?" And I'm like, "I think it's a milk bath." He, yeah. The tree isn't subtle. Yeah, he <laughs> no. is in a bath full of opaque white liquid yeah. during his psychic sexy there vampires is- and donuts. Yeah, <laughs> it's frosting. Um, oh yeah, that's it's clearly glazed. what it is. Yeah, it's Spider Man's not about puberty. There's a. <laughs> There's a bit with a razor blade here too, which um, begs some questions that I do not want the answers to. But it is does have a little bit to do with this the the you know suicidal ideation and you know that's a bit you know just just the presence of the razor blade. Um, at one point he like sucks his own the, the blood of his own yeah. thumb, but the, before he starts this like astral sex trance. He has like the razor blade in his hand and then he brings it down into the water and then question mark. There's That's some piping. Astral sex trance. Anyway. Yeah. This scene is real, real weird. And it's, I, I feel like this may be the first place in the movie where it's like, hey, a female director. Because uh, he is, Boya is in the bathtub and just, just buck naked in the water, splashing around. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and Molly is naked. in her bed at home alone, but like wearing like an over like wearing like a big t-shirt, you know, like she would go to bed in as compared to what we would see in I think 90% of movies like this where she would just be either naked or wearing lingerie for no apparent reason alone in her home. Yeah, it's yeah. Um they <laughs> do it's not that it's like it... not sexy on her part, but she's actually just like wearing something she, you know, a woman would wear would to bed by herself. In. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like a Van Halen shirt or something. Oh Van Halen shirts of that size. Yeah. I mean <laughs> I mean all band shirts are that size. What am who am I kidding? They do they do specifically close up on her face smiling, which removes some of the the initial awkwardness of the scene because she starts like writhing around like she's kind of uncomfortable. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, they're having um astral set. Oh yeah. Right. They're sweating, which is I don't know quite how that works, but I've heard enough stories about ghost sex. Yeah, to- there's something that seems like for a scene where nobody talks, it, there's something weirdly consensual seeming about this ghost sex. Where like, yeah, his his like mind seems to be wandering like it was in the restaurant, and then he's like, "Oh wait, hang on a second, somebody <laughs> wants to have ghost sex." <laughs> like, <laughs> at least in the like a call comes into the ghost sex hotline. Yeah, <laughs> I'm down. <laughs> at least with the ghost sex, she's into it. Like later on, we see them like kiss, and she is like stiff as a board like could not be less into yeah it. yeah it's true. Like, like, <laughs> so sensual ghost, but go sex in a dream oh hell yeah molly is down actual dude in the face i think it's the nails it's probably the nails that um kind of nail polish <laughs> yeah that, the, those brown grungy nails I'm not I'm not asexual, but I'm wager we may have just stumbled upon a very asexual mood. Yeah. <laughs> um so if I'm wrong, I'm sorry and I apologize. <laughs> just well, to any Ellen in the audience, I guess. I mean, yeah, I, actually I can I can confirm because <laughs> I don't want to go too far into <laughs> some things are just better when when do they involve dream ghosts? Yeah, or like astral vampire sex. Yeah. There you go. I mean, that was that was my sexuality in high school. It's like the uh, Troy with LeVar Burton in Community. You can't disappoint a picture. <laughs> Astral vampires always going to be there. Mm-hmm. Real people, complicated. Astral vampires, always there to show up in your dreams when they're chilling in bathtubs. Yeah, they're always <laughs> there for you. You know, Trent Western was always there for me. But um, the next situation we have is, I think it's the... I think it's the next night, or is Boya out in the day at this point? He gets yeah. to the restaurant somehow during the day. It seems like the mafia guys show up there and threaten with a bat, and they decide to swing a bat at him, and he just snaps it. And uh, then they 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 run out of there like some Scooby Doo villains and just <laughs> running over each other trying to get to the door. Um, they do, they do react to Boya like Scooby Doo. Not just to like they I, they react I like mean, Shaggy and Scooby to him yeah. whenever he's like flexing. They're like oh, oh zoinks, and then they like look at Pierce. He looks like a Scooby Doo villain. Like you can actually picture that guy saying, "I would have gotten away with it too if it weren't for you darn kids." You know, Pierce is definitely the kind of guy who would come up with staging a supernatural incident as some sort of tax fraud. 
and he would blame Axel. Because that was my favorite part where it was about Scooby-Doo was I was always like, oh, I needed to close down the rival smoothie stand. And clearly the only way to do that was to release the chupacabra. <laughs> <laughs> Now, is, is this the point where uh, Molly then decides to kiss Boya? Is that here after she after he breaks a bat, or is that not until uh, there's? I think there's some Burning Man some, later. Uh, that's oh, some overt. There's some overt romantic action between them here because mm-hmm. she's sort of like, oh, so gallant. Um, not yeah. to not to dismiss Molly. You know, she's no. she's a badass bitch, and she was the one who first introduced a bat mm-hmm. when Pierce and Axel first showed up and they were just like completely, utterly awful to her. Like she doesn't even react with like, excuse you. She just, they're like, hey, sweetie. And then she brandishes this like fucking nail bat at them. And they're <laughs> and then like- when they bring the bat, she's got a knife. She's yeah, like, she's <laughs> ready. <laughs> Molly is always ready to escalate the situation. You can't yeah. get at her. She's I mean, she, she is the beleaguered character in this whole thing though like she's been putting up with shit for too long and she has had it and she is done she is done she's, she's the picture done. of done so like i mean i think she's probably one of the better developed characters in this whole thing <laughs> where she, i mean they're just lucky they didn't pull a gun on molly she would have thrown a hand grenade at him <laughs> <laughs> she's bringing she's out a nuke <laughs> <laughs> she would have like set up she would have electrified one of the donuts and had it explode with shrapnel or something i mean she did um, electrify a donut at the end right yeah, wasn't so it, it, was, <laughs> it i was, love how was there. Like, well i had some super intense awesome dream sex time to read all about shamanism <laughs> <laughs> yeah she's like how do i do that myself now like she's yeah. totally like this is really cool this thing happened to me now i'm gonna make it happen with me and maybe other people like <laughs> she's not gonna take control of this yeah this exactly let's go really into like philosophy and what counts as human and metaphysics and we get uh, one of my favorite lines in the movie when her boss bernie says we sell donuts <laughs> donuts and coffee <laughs> which is this movie's big energy uh larry i'm on ducktales <laughs> yes bernie is a great character too like in the background he's just sort of this like soft-spoken old dude that's like i'll i'll take care of you but you know just he's not there for it when the bad guys show up though oh no he does lend her the car whenever she needs it yeah bernie's like look you can do whatever kind of vampire shit nonsense you got going on i am nailing these passion fruit donuts here yeah he's (laughs) very passionate about donuts and life well this is uh I think about now is where Boya ends up walking Molly home in Twilight. They're real like dicey about the sun in this movie. Yeah. There's several points where he looks out he looks out windows at the sun and there's oh, sun yeah. on his face and the it does not bother not him. Literally the first thing he does at when he wakes up from his 25 year nap is he goes out and he like fucking opens a blind and like he looks out and the window and sun is just coming down on him yep. like i had in my notes oh i guess he's a sunproof vampire yeah he's he's I not mean, a plot to be vampire, fair though. to be fair yeah. this is one of the things that makes it actually consistent with other vampire movies in the genre because one of the things that vampire movies seem to do and i don't get me wrong i loves me some vampire stuff okay this is not to be uh, dismissive i am a fan <laughs> 
that was a that was a, a pluralization uh, yes <laughs> you did it but uh they're not great with internally consistent vampire physics or lore in general right like it's just not very very few are internally consistent yeah the problem with it in this movie is that they're like well the problem with it in this movie is like the next scene where boya goes to the graveyard and rita shows back up has seen him like walking molly home and rita's like hey where have you been i loved you you should have turned me into a vampire before and he's like nah i don't do that shit uh like it would be wrong of me to turn anybody into a vampire it's awful living like this turns his back on her and she drives a stake through his chest like out the other side of him and he's like ow great both of their reactions in this scene fucking broke me (laughs) fucking boy just just has this feeling of just like uh here we go again (laughs) staking only works when you win two out of three challenges and then oh man and then he gets it out and Rita's and she is, he just looks at her and Rita's kind of looking like, sorry, not sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he sets it on fire. I love that the, the stake is also half of the shovel that he had with him when he woke up that he used to dig up his own grave. Yeah. Where that's all of some, his stuff was. That's a real deal gothic shit. I love oh, yeah. that. Yeah. No, that was, that was good. Yeah. Uh, I guess he just has pyrokinesis stuff. powers or his blood sets the or he has alien blood i don't know he's a vampire Psh. that's Man. what i want to be able to do in my life when somebody stabs me just like rub my blood on something and catch it on fire that's you know just that's walk that shit off Adam, you know okay Adam <laughs> like Sigourney Weaver and alien resurrection. <laughs> yeah, don't be, he's, he's literally like don't believe everything you hear and it's like ah oh, so he's not vulnerable to to sunlight or stakes until later, they're like, oh, no, sunlight. <laughs> Unless he wants a, to be. I just maybe, really maybe it's consent. <laughs> Jeremy wanting mm. Adam X the extreme superpower. <laughs> I like it. Well, I think that it's also, you know, depends on how much that he's, how much blood he's consumed. Because, you know, the vampire is stronger when he consumes more blood and does more things or whatever. I don't know. I mean, well, I'm going from, as I said, two out of three challenges but that's only according to the old rules i don't know what the new the the mm-hmm. new rules are for that <clears throat> you gotta tap I, two swamps and i uh, feel like one of the few rules uh-huh. this movie is pretty consistent about is that whenever he is hurt he needs to like drink blood of some kind in order to heal yeah i do like the fact though that they don't really beleaguer the his tragedy of being like oh i'm a vampire and it sucks and you know that's no pun intended but like you know because you had interview the vampire was out the previous year that whole movie was like louis brad pitt being like i was of just some crazy lad once and then a guy kissed me on the neck and then i was different ever since i couldn't see the sun and that's that was shitty and then now we have that it's under our belt we don't need to to think about you know how much it sucks to be undead this guy's like i woke up and i'm walking around and i like i'm trying to exist but it's not really about that it's kind of almost like about him trying to i don't know do something good to make up for accidentally doing something bad so that he can balance the scales a little you know like that yeah I'm assuming this is where he breaks what I have to imagine is a centuries-long cycle of being a serial monogamist fuckboy. Yeah. (laughs) 
that is definitely the uh, I, I the only thing is I'm not 100% sure on the monogamy because I'm kind of with Jeremy on his photo ops. Oh, yeah. I, I'm, I'm not 100. I think he might be a, a little bit into the poly. Oh, I, th- I definitely think that he's into the throuples. Yeah. Introduces himself into other oh, people's relationships. He yeah. is very much trying to make that Earl and Molly threesome happen. Oh, yeah. Oh, totally. 100%. So we, from here... Rita is is bested by um I guess a uh, boy's inability to die from the wooden stake. Um she lost her challenges, so he just walks off with the, the <laughs> wood on fire. This is where now Molly's get... doing research on uh, on circuses and shamanism. Uh, <laughs> yeah. he goes home to take a bath. Naturally. <laughs> yeah. and, a slightly uh, less exciting bath? I don't know. Or was this the good bath? This was the good bath. No, this I mean, is... both bath scenes were pretty This good. was the bath uh, where Earl walks in on him bath. and is like, Whoa, you got a hole in your chest. Whoa, are you <laughs> a vampire? Right. I saw those pictures outside and there was a bat in our room. And I was like, maybe my friend's a vampire. And then I was like, yeah, nah, the red bat. you come in here and you got a giant hole in your chest. Maybe you are a vampire. And boy is like, yeah, guilty. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I mean, as far as reveal scenes go, vampire. this is amazing. Let's be honest here. Okay, this is fantastic. Uh, yeah. He's in a bath full of blood with a hole in his chest. And he's like, yeah, you got me. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Earl is having a full on nervous breakdown. And boy is just like, yep, no, 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 no. But um, Earl is cool with it, you know. Yeah, uh, I think Earl was like down. He's he's just in general kind of down, you know. He's good to go. Yeah, he's he's polite. That's yeah. how he. That's how he ended up in the mafia. He just didn't tell anybody no. Yeah, so that's what I'm saying. Suddenly, he became a driver. I also want to say real quick. Speaking of the mafia, earlier in the scene where Earl was getting his ass kicked. They they beat up his face and then they're like, we got something for that. And they take out like <gasps> lemon juice. The lemon juice. He's got lemon in his big the old coat. He has an juice. actual lemon. Yeah, lemon he's got like in the, the lemon, lemon juice, juice for cocktail sure. cocktails. Who can <laughs> like got a little simple syrup in here? <laughs> Movie is bonkers so i think actual lemon juice in the wound like pouring lemon in the wound. oh my that god that was wild if this I movie cried, i laughed so hard if this movie was in america if it was like an american gothic horror movie they would have peed on him but i figure since they're canadian they're too polite so they just you know yeah, it's so much it's better that it's a fresh <laughs> we want it to sting but we don't want you getting scurvy <laughs> like I can imagine, yeah. I can imagine when they shot the guy earlier, fresh. they were like, Sorry. "You eat nothing but donuts. Get some vitamin C in your system. It's <laughs> your blood system." I mean, but like, how badass is this supposed to be? It's like this, you know. We've already established he's overtly misogynistic, so he's definitely on the bad guy list. He's wearing a big old beige trench coat, like a you know the bad guy he is. He's this mediocre white dude, middle-aged with a bad haircut, middle of the 90s with a slanty eye. He'll give you the side eye. You know he's a bad dude and he's trying to be badass and he goes into his coat and he pulls out lemon juice. <laughs> this is real lemon. It's the real stuff. Not store brand. <laughs> I would have respected more if he just brought out a whole lemon and just like fucking mashed it in his head. Yeah, that would have been more like. <laughs> He's like, eh. Hey. Yeah, He's more like, oh, intimidating. I'm only getting into that. How about a little, I got, I got a little salt? Yeah. 
she's well seasoned. God, I, how many I've things? I've got some peppers right here. How many things in my fridge right now would I have gone to before? I'm like, ooh, let me get the lemon juice. <laughs> and he uses it to torture, right? Like. I mean, okay, lemon juice to clean your windshield when it's, uh, you know, too frosty out. You don't want the, the ice to, to freeze too hard on your they windshield. They don't need it okay. for that. They don't have a fucking car. <laughs> they need Does that work? Yeah, yeah. Shit. Little lemon juice at night. Yeah. In the morning, you just scrapes right off. Now it now it makes sense. Now it all makes sense, except they don't have a car. Exactly. They were going to do Earl a favor this whole time, and then he was just a dick. <laughs> you had one job, Earl. Just stay still while they did crime stuff. There are no cops. There are no <laughs> cops in this 400-square-foot existence of reality. Like, legit, they're never cops. They don't show up the whole time. This this movie is so, like like I said, there's there's subtlety to the actual relationships of these characters that you have to really reach Mm -hmm. Um, and that's not a problem for me because like the characters stand pretty well by themselves like the ones that that i mean earl is so hilarious and like he's just this wonderful disaster and like you know boy is pretty molly's a badass bitch david cronenberg is david cronenberg okay talk about the tiny tiny gun that david cronenberg pulls out though yeah yes tiniest tiniest little gun that i have ever seen in a movie i think he had spent all his money on what rita's gun was smaller wasn't it it smaller i don't know i thought rita's gun might have actually been bigger by the time they got to the guns their budget was so low they had they could only afford a (laughs) two-pack cronenberg's carrying around a, a party popper Painted, yeah. painted, painted silver. Yeah, you know, you know they had to character... do the little red thing at the end, like they do on Comic Con, <laughs> right? Yeah, they had peace tied it. Yeah, um, they, you know, that he, that character though, would like carry around the tiniest gun because he spent all his money on those shoes. Oh, did he ever? Yeah, and the gun has to fit in those boots. You, those you know, are nice. Tight. Yeah. bowling alley floor fuck it up shoes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> those cowboy boots that he wears with his suit, right? 90s. 90s and it's well yeah, yeah. nobody made it out unscathed let's be fair get to see like a full body shot of david cronenberg and i was looking for it i was so sad we never actually get to see him in like full suit and boots glory <laughs> yeah well i think they used the same boots for A- axel when he showed up later with the like he's like i got nice shoes i mean really they are expensive boots you probably can't afford two pairs on that yeah. budget <laughs> <laughs> he was so cute though with his like i'm like you i'm like you david kroenberg <laughs> uh, i love what kroenberg's just like excuse us please get the fuck out yeah <laughs> um, you leave now <laughs> so so we're we're love, on the cusp of some of the best material in this film uh-huh yeah we have rita showing up to tell molly to uh stay away from her man uh or basically she's like you don't, you don't want to deal with him. He's bad news. Rita goes full on Sunset Boulevard. <laughs> Although, <laughs> yeah. that, that is followed by my favorite scene between Earl and Boya, which is when like Earl comes back from wherever he's been that morning and like opens the blinds on a window and Boya's like sitting in the middle of where the sunlight comes in and like flips out and Earl's like, oh my God, oh no, I almost killed my buddy. Oh, sorry about that vampire guy. Let me... Put this windshield window back. Sorry down. about that. <laughs> <laughs> guy. Sorry about that. I just sorry, and like, I like you. 
He's got and some I'm, sort I'm of killing you with the sunshine. Like, so what was it? What was his outfit? Durag oh my god, the bandana thing with his need. Like he's it's like, like wearing a bandana like it's like Mr. Mr. What's the guy on the Monty Python? Oh, my brains, my brain hurts like that guy. <laughs> Garvin, is that a traditional uh, headwear fashion? No, you can't blame that one on us. I He's, don't know where that came from. <laughs> that is literally the Mr. I think it's Mr. Gumby or something like that. That is literally the same orientation of that I handkerchief. Mean, I'm disappointed. I'm not going to find pictures of Alanis Morissette wearing a bandana in that style now. <laughs> I, know. I will find you a picture of Alanis Morissette in a bandana. That will make you laugh. How's that? Yes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, he's wearing like these huge glasses that are like, like ski glasses. And then the this bandana, this blue bandana, and then like three layers of... I mean, he's in Canada, so I guess you got to wear like multiple layers of shirt because in the morning it's like zero degrees centigrade or whatever. And then <laughs> I know it's really today it was snowing in the morning and pouring rain in the afternoon. It changed 10 or 15 degrees centigrade. The uh, he like shows up and he brings boy a, a shirt so he can dress his boyfriend better than he dresses himself. Right? Apparently. Um, and they have blood all over it. So yeah, because he had been staked in it. From his gaping chest wound. Yeah. <laughs> and then they have... Look, that's his priorities right there. Right? And then they have this exchange, which is like, well, I should probably go back to my house because I'm like overstayed my welcome. And then Boya, like this is where, like already when they were in the bathtub and everything and, and there was the reveal about the vampire, I was already like, Boya Earl? Maybe? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then here... Earl is like, I should go. I should go. And then <laughs> boy is like, no, you don't have to. And straight up puts his hand on, on Earl's. And Earl's like, uh, uh, uh. But he doesn't like flinch. No. He's definitely like, I should go. Seems, Not it in seems the... legit much more him like maybe being worried about boy being a vampire than, you know, right? any sort of homoerotic <laughs> issues. Uh, yeah, he, then does, he, like, he then does shove Boya in a closet, but, you know, yeah, that, <laughs> that boy is best. Like, no, no, no. I'm not, I'm not ready for this yet. Yeah. Just one more day in the closet and then maybe. Exactly. Like maybe, you know, it's first time jitters. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I thought about this moment so much in my life. Now it's happening and I don't know what to do. Definitely not so dress pretty. for it. <laughs> I'm just glad he wasn't wearing that, that handkerchief in California. Some people wait a lifetime. For a moment like that. Right. Yeah. And there he is dressed like Mr. Gumby. Earl's going to make such a good uncle someday. <laughs> I'm not sure he's going to make it. I mean, as long as he sticks with Molly and her mad, mad magic skills. <laughs> I think Molly will like adopt and then Earl will be like the, the uncle that, you know, shows them cartoons and shit. Yeah, exactly. And like, you know, um, tells them the stories they dumb. shouldn't hear. The age and inappropriate ones. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's too dumb to fuck it up. <laughs> he panics it's about sunlight rabbit. here, but this is like the first time that it's been evident that sunlight is an issue for him. But then like Rita shows up, is threatening to kill herself. She's waving around a gun that she's going to shoot herself with. Boya decided, like, I, I guess as an alternative to, you know, if Boya is not going to keep her alive and make her a vampire, she's just going to kill herself. Boya barely manages to stop her, you know, getting the gun out of her hand. She, <laughs> I guess that was a glancing blow off her skull. That was yeah. a really shocking moment. That was legit content warning for very sudden attempted suicide. Like, yeah. You know, uh, yeah. 
figuring thing, definitely be on the lookout for that because yeah, that was a that's one of the few moments where I'm like, oh wow, that's yeah. Wow. I mean, it is very shocking. Yeah. Yeah. The the thing about this scene too, I mean, I read it as her trying to convince him to save her life by making her a vampire. Yeah. Um, sort of holding that out, holding that over him. I thought it was where they were going with Earl then later in the movie is like, oh, he loves Earl the most. He turns yeah. him into a vampire, but not nah, he was fine with Earl dying too. <laughs> he didn't even seem to recognize. He's just like, he turned off. Yeah, he stopped. <laughs> <laughs> um, he no wake up <laughs> Fucking my no puppy b- is asleep and he won't wake up no right? more cabbie bunnies for you Lenny <laughs> well the, there's also a part of this Rita scene where they talk about their last moments together and about watching the moon landing she mentions that he said something about how they the by walking on the room on the room oh hi dear the um on the moon by walking on the moon they've ruined it yeah and they I don't ever i'm strong and she was saying it's like a holy ground to him and that whole movie he's he kind of looks back at the golf ball which reminds him of the moon this isn't explained no anywhere nope no nope, nope. um movies rely so- on explanations in general Oh, yeah. I have a theory, but I'll talk about that later again. I definitely forgot about the mood golf ball connection. So there were a few times where he's just staring at the golf ball. I'm like, is he really into golf? I even thought he was going to take a a bite out of it at one point. (laughs) I'm like, are we about to fade into a flashback? And it turns out that he was like a professional golfer in 1700 Scotland. (laughs) Explain the hair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Definitely. Yeah, and I think even in the notes here, we're unclear about what happens next because she he goes running out into the sunshine in the middle of the day toward the donut shop. And I thought this was because Rita said something to to Molly about him and him being a vampire and he's going to leave her. Emily seems to think it was, it was there to, to get help for Rita, but they don't ever explain... I- it's not clear why he goes charging out into the sunlight. The only explanation that I can think of is that Rita's, what Rita said was worded ambiguously enough to make him think that she was threatening Molly or maybe already hurt Molly. And like he needed to check on her right away to make sure she was okay. But I don't fucking know. Call the donut shop first, maybe, guy. Right? I, I was with Jeremy. I I interpreted it that she had said she had told Boya, like Rita had told Boya that she'd revealed something to Molly and he was afraid about Molly's reaction and he needed to go and sort of mitigate that right away. Why he didn't, I don't know, call or throw a blanket over his head, you know, classic vampire style or something, you know, like, it's not like he wasn't in a hotel room. Like Now that you mention it, I don't think anybody uses a phone in this movie. no. No, it's like an X Men no... comic, like right. <laughs> nobody I ever also... lets anybody know that they're alive or where they are or what's going on. I um, also love how hard it is for Boy to get into the donut shop, and no one is like, "Oh, look at that screaming, burning man outside! Isn't that interesting?" Right? He's he's covering himself with the jacket, but it does, it's not very effective. No. Yeah, um, he, he burns himself badly enough that once Molly opens the door, 
he runs in and falls on the floor and just is there for a day, like just yeah. lying on the floor. She has apparently uh, learned enough CPR from after school specials that she's like, oh, you don't move the guy after he falls through your door on fire. Like, presumably <laughs> there. All the customers just kept buying donuts and they're like, hashtag keep Toronto weird. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think it was, it's supposed to be a 24-hour donut place, but it seemed pretty closed at that right? point. Maybe so. they were closed for the extermination? <laughs> yeah. Closed on I mean, the coast of burning vampire. Yeah, right? Yeah. And then uh, Molly decides to feed him, sort of on a guess, probably from all the books called like Circus, Dream, Vampire, Shamanism. Yeah, I, you know. I thought he whispered to. I thought he whispered to her like, "Need blood." I don't remember. I don't think I caught that. No, but no. entirely oh, possible. Very I correct. might have just made it up. This movie fucking broke me. <laughs> no, I mean, there's a lot of things you just have to infer. But yeah, yeah. she just kind of is like, "Here you go." Um, he has an intense makeout session with her hand. Does. Yeah, like, it is weird. It's, it's, <laughs> that sums it up so nicely. It's. It's basically a, a Showtime soft porn level makeout session between her hand and him. Yeah, More right. Red Shoe Diaries. Yeah. Weirdest hand job ever. That's what they mean. Oh, that's good. Yeah, I like that a lot. Ben. <laughs> Tagline. <laughs> I should have been on the poster. Yeah. Vampire hand job. <clears throat> oh, no. Oh, oh, my God. So, yeah, so, the, but it felt like she was offering it like she was like here you know i mean she cuts her hand like it was definitely a yeah consensual oh yeah giving. and he's he's really going at it and then he stops himself before he comes and um <laughs> <laughs> falls asleep on the on the floor for the rest of the day Which, I mean, we've all been there right yeah. <laughs> that's he's just, he's just blood that's just you know he ate a big meal and now he's got to nap it off <laughs> what's the tryptophan content here <laughs> <laughs> oh my I god mean, Mo- molly what is in your blood holy shit <laughs> i've been looking shit. up circus and shamanism <laughs> and dreams <laughs> dreams shamanism circus. circus fucking nailed it molly you're gonna get to the bottom of this vampire psychic sex any day now <laughs> she doesn't look up psychic sex you know she doesn't have a book no. on psychic sex. i'm still Sure, why the circus was even because he, he said, he said at one point that once. he worked in the circus, yeah. He right. said, it, but yeah, that's why I was confused that she didn't have a book called Exterminators, <laughs> right? <laughs> well, I feel like then, then it would have looked like she was trying to exterminate all of the shop, and then it's like, oh no, <laughs> yeah, not a good leave them alone, <laughs> they're they're wise, <laughs> oh no, yeah. So, I was unclear what the transition is here because he wakes up. And then starts to go back over to his room and discovers Earl is in there with all of the other characters. I mean, the all three of the mafioso guys. David Cronenberg has come along this time. And they're threatening him. And beating him up. Yeah, I mean, beating him up. Care. Specifically, Cronenberg calls him Batman. Which I, I'm not sure you can do, but hey, they haven't stopped this movie from being on Amazon. I think it would cost more in legal fees to try and stop them than it would. They had a very specific pause between bat and man. Yeah, yeah. It was within the, uh, the limit. Yeah. <laughs> David Cronenberg could say it. Man. Um, the bat man. 
And now I'm like, okay, Cronenberg, I'm, YouTube. Yeah, I'm yeah. now treating this as your rejected Commissioner Gordon audition tape. Can you <laughs> fucking about- imagine Cronenberg as Commissioner Gordon? Holy shit, what a Batman story that would be. Oh my God, wait for it. You know it'll happen. It's 2021 right there. That's yeah. definitely a Clayface movie. As the <laughs> Cronenberg is every character. There we uh. go. Oh, I, fuck, I'd pay to see Cronenberg as Poison Ivy and Robin. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, take my money. Yeah, this is where Boya decides to climb in the window to confront these these mafia thugs. He gets he gets shot, like, point blank with a shotgun. That is okay. He's less I bothered actually, by that than he was when he got stabbed through the chest. by. A I actually blood. really love that effect, because the blood squibs are very, like, I guess gooey is the word, but they're very mm-hmm. like, it's got a great splatter. It feels heavy. And the, that he just takes it, that he doesn't even flinch as like blood splurred, like flies out of him. Which is definitely so, one of the, the better uh, special effects, uh, practical effects in the movie. Yeah. yeah. So like for as much as we bag on the special effects in this movie, that was one time where I'm like, whoa, that was really cool and well done. Yeah. yeah. The practical effects are much better than the special effects, if we're just going to say it. Like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Just cross the board. <laughs> and he does, but he does do a pretty good, like, regular guy to vampire transition, which is his vampire face, like his vampire visage, what one might call dread gaze, you know, third level power, depending on what um, what <laughs> vampire clan you choose. But um <laughs> I love the specificity. This is just making my whole damn day. Yeah. This is all Vampire the Masquerade rules from oh, yeah, like yeah, yeah. This I just time. I haven't heard it in a long time. <laughs> I'm listen, I'm sorry. I'm no, sorry. No, no. Please do not. A, all apologies should be on the Canadian for this particular context here. And B, never apologize for that. that yeah, I know. <laughs> I mean, a white wolf as a as a company has done some stuff, but yeah. at least we had um you know just a place for all the gay vampires to live exactly um, but uh yeah so he he takes this he has his like I, vampire face which is a like a buffy vampire face i have exactly. a bone to pick about you referring them as queer vampires because that implies that there's such thing as straight vampires i mean i will take just because we haven't met them doesn't mean they don't exist it's just one very straight vampire out there so yeah it, i don't know if they can survive though that's yeah, you know ben not. Well, his name is Chad, and you know what his favorite drink is? Blood Light. (laughs) I definitely, I don't know where I heard that, but I definitely did not come up with it. Okay, (laughs) I was going to say, Ben, I know you're a good writer, but holy shit. I hate myself for how much I love that. (laughs) That was fucking genius. Like, I'm I'm all in on Count Chadwick here. Chadwick. of the new hampshire chadwicks rhode island even <laughs> that is immediately going in my sister's facebook group rhode island <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> oh he just, he's just straight up a vampire that sounds like peter griffin you know just <laughs> peter uh, griffin I'm gonna suck your blood. <laughs> hey hey jerry <laughs> oh i need like the Boston vampires. Can My children that? of the night, what beautiful music but, they make. Season, <laughs> what we do in the shadows, season three. Oh my God. Bill Burr as a vampire. Yes. Make it happen. Yes, please. please. I need Bill Burr and Jenny Slade as like the Boston Coven vampire. <laughs> Bill Burr is maybe my favorite part of the Mandalorian because it proves there's a Boston in space. 
Oh my god, I love it. Part of the Empire. Someone took the audio of Bill Burr on that podcast where he's just trashing Star Wars and they put it in footage of The Mandalorian and it works perfectly. Uh, So vampire movie. Um. (laughs) We have, oh my god, we have, oh, the scream Axel scream when he when Boyo comes in through the window. Because nice. everyone else like gives some kind of scream. Axel scream was just like, ah <laughs> like it's monotone, out of key, and goes on weirdly long. And it's that way it feels maybe more genuine. Than, like, how would you react if like a vampire walks and I'd be like, oh, uh, <laughs> blah, <laughs> as they say. Um, but yeah, I just love how both of those guys, like when he puts on the vampire face and they just both like piss themselves. Oh, excuse me. They let out their lemon juice. <laughs> um, squeeze their lemon juice. Like, that oh no yeah they're so scared of him like they're they are like shaggy and scooby (laughs) like oh god jinkies oh jinkies no one gets their jimmies wrestled quite like earl though (laughs) yeah earl earl climbs out on the fire escape and then when boya eats david cronenberg earl's like oh no <laughs> my vampire friend off is the a fire vampire. Yeah. Well, he's he's also been shot in the foot by. Yeah. Oh no! By my Fred problems Fred. are solved. Yeah, tiny pea shooter. Yeah, so he's like hopping away, and then just falls <laughs> off the end. I laughed. I laughed so goddamn hard when he hit the ground. I was sad. I was like, Earl, no. I thought he was gone. And then Boya does a full superhero well, jump down behind him. Yeah. It looked, like, it looked like it was only like two stories tall. So I'm like, oh, that was just a funny fall. And I'm like, wait, he's dying? <laughs> and then I'm like, this, is, this movie is bonkers. Like, okay, I actually wrote this down because legitimately Earl dying from his injuries after falling from, like, two-story directly onto his back, you'd have crushing internal injuries, right? Like, that's potentially the most realistic part of this entire film. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure if it's like- from him falling down or then, like, their car gets shot at by a shotgun from the second story right? uh, as, as they drive off. Because he's not letting Boya in. He's, he's climbed into the taxi and is not letting Boya in. And the guy shoots the window out and Boya jumps in through the shot window and they drive off together. Um, I definitely, again, I thought it's like, okay, Earl's been injured. The only way Boya can save him is to turn into a vampire to go yeah. back on his, I'm not going to turn into a vampire. They're going to be immortal vampire boyfriends. That's how this movie ends. And then Earl died. Yeah. <laughs> and I fucking lost it. No, and I'm like, okay, I guess that's what we're doing. And then the movie's like, oh, you ain't fucking seen nothing yet. <laughs> no, then it like doubles down. <laughs> now, before any of that happens, though, we get a quick shot of the inside of the apartment as our as Pierce is like, nice. I'm head of the yeah. mafia now. <laughs> that was my plan all along. Pierce like, lemon fucking... juice for the win. <laughs> Pierce acting like this has been some sort of plan that he has masterminded. <laughs> Yeah, like and the, then yeah, he pours his lemon, lemon juice, juice out. out for Cronenberg. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and like lays the shotgun across Cronenberg's body, like you know he's 
I guess he's leaving the evidence all those handprints are all, all over it. But um who gives a shit to like, no cops? It's true. Oh, Danny boy, the pipes they play for you, Cronenberg. <laughs> There's only I guess the people you might interrupt at the bowling alley. <laughs> yeah. Congratulations, Pierce. Now you are king of the bowling alley snack bar. <laughs> we are Don't the forget bowling to steal the shoes mafia. before you go. <laughs> My shoes I must love be this shoes. movie so much. Yeah, so, so then <laughs> this movie is Earl takes off, drives them to the other side of the four blocks of streets that they, they actually have before pulling over to die. Uh, Boya pulls him out of out of the car and is holding him tenderly um, before up until Earl dies and Boya does not seem to know what happened. No. Um, Boya well, then... doesn't work anymore. <laughs> if you go. If you've ever My played toy broke. Devil May Cry and hear Dante talk about filling souls with light, yeah. that's the energy Boya is bringing to this death scene. Yes. Yeah, and, and <laughs> Boya is then like shouting to the heavens and holding Earl's body and is there for an unclear amount of time before Molly pulls up in her car and is like, Boya, what? You Is he so dead? So there's yeah so there's this there's this exchange that's actually pretty tender between boya and and earl where boy's like boya what do you think about heaven and, and earl's like or not yeah and boy is like uh what and then um and then they like you know get out of the car earl is dying and boy is like once i'm dead you can just go to town just eat me. Just make sure there's nothing left. <laughs> and I was like, what is this? <laughs> what is this offer? Like, please eat my body. Because I love you. Um, and then uh, boy is like, I, I can die if I want to. Because dying is... Something about he, he won't eat him because he, like, he's going to taste bad or he's going to be like eating oh, ash or something like that. I don't take blood from dummies. Yeah, yeah. That's what he says. He's going out. It's a flirt. It was a fucking flirt. That was a fucking flirt. Yeah. You're right. Um, before dying. Yeah, and then um, <laughs> Earl straight up is like, "You're killing me." <laughs> Don't make me laugh. And then, yeah, and then, um, and boy is like, "You're not afraid to die," and he's like, "Dying makes me human," and then he dies, and so that sort of sets up sets us up for later. But then Molly shows up and then Boya's like, my puppy died. And Molly's like, I got this. <laughs> what? This is what Donut Shop has been preparing me for. I'm going to throw him on the- Donut Shop and book and circus and shamanism. <laughs> yeah, all the stuff she learned from circus and shamanism and vampire and dream. Yeah. Like all of that, all of her incredible uh, research has brought her to this moment where she says, okay, Boya, go into my trunk. There's some jelly donuts in there. Okay, now, and get the get the um, starter cables, or the, the jump jumper start cables. cables. Yeah. Jumper cables, thank you. <laughs> so she basically rigs up the battery of the car like some sort of defibrillator, except she puts the jumper cables in um, the, the Earl's pomegranate or... Yeah, in his hands, but in his hands, but the she, pomegranate jelly. She uses the jelly to like be a, a um yes a conductor, just like the when they they do that with defibrillators, mm -hmm. they use like Vaseline or something. 
um, or maybe they don't, I don't know. Don't, don't listen to me. I'm not a doctor, but the, um, <laughs> just, just in case you didn't know. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah. And then they jump start. They literally jump start Earl. Yes. And Earl stands up and is like, Oh, I'm better now. And they walk, like they walk over to her car together. <laughs> like, I don't know how, I don't know what amount of electricity you need to fix like whatever damage he had from falling out of a window and or getting shot. Like, yeah, like oh, I guess electricity fixes broken spines. <laughs> yes. And you know, internal bleeding and <laughs> yeah, damaged turn that organs. Shit up a little and... bit more. I think that right now what we really have to think about is the character of Earl's car. Yes. And Rest how Earl's peace. car has sacrificed its life yep. for Earl. So basically Earl has taken the spirit of the car into himself. The real redemption arc here is definitely Earl's car. Yeah, because mm. the, the car's been with him all the way and now actually for he's... his soul. Yes. And this taxi has a picture of his dog. Yeah. Maybe that was the spirit of his dog in the car. I don't know. That's gilding the lily a little bit, but um, (laughs) I think it's, I do think that the car is, I mean, I'm, I'm actually dead serious right now. I do think that the car being like what resurrected him is, is uh, significant. Um, well, it was the car and the donuts. It, it was yes. It was a symbolic of all the aspects of his life coming together in rebirth. Yeah. So he was he was he sacrificed the car. The donuts brought him back. But then, so they all are like, "Yay, we're together again!" And that's where I'm like, "Power throuple." I've watched that movie. Yeah. Yeah, because she Molly resurrects Earl, and then she she kisses Boya, and is like. Hey, the sun's coming up. We gotta go. But there's room in the trunk. You can get in there. And uh, he's like, "All right, there's room in the trunk." And um, they they drive home. And then she opens the trunk, and he's not in there. And then uh, we he's see where he is. Shot. He is he is now you know laying on top of Earl's car, uh, getting a tan, um, and slowly slowly burning to a crisp. Because uh, I guess he's decided that um, this this thruple is going to be too hard to get out of. He, the only yeah. thing to do is just take his own life. Well, he, you know, it's his trying to be human, I guess. Yeah. Um, which makes it less uh, less of a problematic, slightly less of a problematic uh, barrier gaze trope. But um, you know, it's still there. So I'm not going to say it. It it uh, forgives that, but. Um, the once Earl is resurrected and him being like Molly's, I loves yous. <laughs> it, yeah, apparently, you having know, been dead has the same effect as like having one too many. Yeah, it yeah. really does. Kind of call into questions like, okay, Boyo, why don't you turn people into vampires because you don't want to give them the curse of immortality, the curse they're free to voluntarily give up at any time? <laughs> yeah. Maybe he couldn't do it before. Because according to the rules, it's really hard to kill yourself as a vampire because the the inner beast that frenzies in the in the in the presence <laughs> of light and fire. Um, I'll, take, I'll take it. Yeah. I mean, this Boom. is again. Yeah. 
1995 vampire rules but, but this is set in 98 it is filmed yeah. in 95 so yeah this is, we'll so this is perfect <laughs> yeah it's right there he needed the combined love of earl and molly to i'm not even gonna fucking finish this sentence to, to <laughs> become human yeah. by dying because the I don't know. themes of this movie are bad <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. This movie I, is amazing, and I don't think we should try to find any messages from it. <laughs> no, I mean, this movie isn't over because there is a post-credit cool. scene in this movie. Yes, this post-credit all odds. Scene where Rita finally finds the bad boy that she wanted the whole time. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, Rita's hanging out at the donut shop, talking to the donut shop owner about how she tried to shoot herself in the head earlier. And in walks, uh, in walks big coat, and now his coat's black instead of tan. Because <laughs> he is up. an upgrade. <laughs> yes, <laughs> he's leveled up. He's a level three mafioso now. He's the mob boss now that his genius plan of vampire kills Cronenberg went off without a hitch. <laughs> <laughs> and he planned the whole time. All a part of the plan. Levages. All according to Kai. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted them to be like, what? What flavor of uh, flavor of donut do you want? Lemon. Lemon. <laughs> That's why he doesn't have a car. Really into lemons. <laughs> That's his thing. He's the he's like the lemon eye gangster. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Two Face with the uh, with with the coin. Yeah, the coin. You know. Let's see. Does, what does the lemon juice say today? You, you know oh my god, ha- it's like a magic eight ball. <laughs> yeah. You know what happens if you oh. light on the take? Bam! <laughs> lemon juice in your eye. I feel like these guys are the game. Go wash that out, you jabroni. Alone, right? Like oh, Canadian sorry. version of Home Alone, it's it's Axel and whatever this guy's oh name. Oh my is. god, yes. Oh, oh my god. One hundred percent. What what kind of bandits? <laughs> They're the what lemon they? juice bandits. Lemon juice bandits. Okay, yes. well, in this movie, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so they go on to like try to rob a house that is occupied by one small child and proceed to get <laughs> one the small shit child kicked out of them. Who, because he's Canadian, politely asks them to leave several times. <laughs> yeah. And it works. <laughs> yeah. They're like, oh, oh okay. sorry. We didn't think there was anybody here. We were trying to rob it while everybody was gone. Yeah. Sorry, um, or, sorry about that. <laughs> sorry about that we're gonna go around the one next door instead what about that one i'd really rather you didn't we're actually pretty uh comfortable with them but uh you know the guy next door and over one he's uh yeah a bit sketchy <laughs> it's a vampire no. next door <laughs> no right then so how's this pro- how it's this progressive movie yeah we want to talk <laughs> about the uh the the points here do we have the first one i have up here is mental illness and i feel like the only thing that qualifies as mental illness or disability in this is we have the whole like vampirism as addiction thing that this movie really wants to push on people i mean yeah. we've, we've got some suicidal ideation with uh with Rita, and we have uh i think a little bit of depression and an ob- obsessive kind of uh behaviors with her with her focus on on aging and not wanting to do that but they don't really address anything like overtly right so i mean i definitely feel like my grip on reality has loosened (laughs) after watching this movie (laughs) whatever that counts for yeah well this movie is very it's 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 very free form it's very loose with the pacing but i think that the, the addiction thing i don't think it really says much other than 
right. that it's unhealthy right. and yeah. you don't want other people to be ad- addicted. It's bad to be addicted to killing and eating people. That's yeah. an especially bad addiction. And it's also bad to be obsessed with a brooding addict that is defined by, you know, his addiction. I do think that the fact that um, Boya self-immolated was a there was something going on there with like the 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 temptation like removing the temptation from his friends is that a healthy view on that subject not really i mean this all the suicide implications aside you know he he is kind of like that 27 club rock star that people are obsessed with but you know ultimately it's not going to work out i'd like to think i'm already planning the fan art in my head that they like actually you know he's not really dead and they actually have like a great vampire family and they both take care of boya and he's like almost like their weird ward yes yeah. sexual, which is um we're, you know. we're big on the power throuples on this podcast <laughs> absolutely especially because again what this does give us is fucking canon queer representation in 1995 yeah. that isn't a joke yeah, yeah. Like, this is is a pansexual main character. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and there's there's something about this movie, because when I was looking at it um, initially, I'm like, okay, so this is a movie directed by a woman you know is is what's the feminism in this movie where do i find it certainly you can argue that there's plenty of of the female gaze in this movie in in terms of the depiction of boya and a little bit of that like you know 90s rock star obsession and that you know we do see his ass so that's nice it's a nice ass Mm, true um yeah and his weird like ass too yeah it's a surprise ass at first i was like you know, the, the very first second I thought that I was seeing Molly's ass. <laughs> so shapely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's, he's... Uh, Gordon Carey fucking bringing it. Yeah, mm-hmm. 100%. And then there was this aspect of Earl and uh, Boya where they were into each other because of their emotions. <laughs> where the yeah. the relationship between Rita and, and Boya and Molly and Boya was because he was like tall, dark and handsome. You know, and and Boya kind of had like this immediate sexual thing with Molly, but to sort of satisfy her fantasy almost. But Earl mm-hmm. knows it's okay for men to have emotions. Exactly. Well, yeah, but also the fact that like they that Boya sort of essentially comes on to Earl after they've kind of gotten to know each other. You know, no no psychic sex with them. So there's there's something interesting both in the um the the queer representation in that, and also the what I see a lot in um, women's writing about male couples where you have like, the, especially with like these, these, you know, polyamorous characters, you know, that's all like sexy stuff and, and fantasy stuff with the, um, the, this kind of the straight couples, but the, um, the male, co- or, you know, same sex couples, at least with, I'm, I'm thinking like all of the stuff, like, like Yaoi, right. Mm where you have this this fantasy element of that of watching these characters kind of relate to each other and i feel like there's a there's an aspect of that that represents um the female gaze a little bit unfortunately no actual female gaze you know Only we don't female know. gaze just no female yeah. gaze but you know, straight women in this movie yeah this is mostly straight women although if well i'll get to my recommendations later but <laughs> But I do feel that the, in terms of back to what we were actually talking about, which was the uh, the um, mental illness and stuff, there's not a lot of mental illness. You know, the, the addiction thing is is very uh, shallow. Yeah, I, I feel like we actually talked a lot about the the queer representation in that section because, like, that's that is the one that this hits pretty well is the 
LGBT characters and ideas, um, themes, um, even though they're not necessarily explicit in the movie, there is like, you know, he has that uh, book full of, you know, pictures of his, his previous relationships. Um, and it is clear that he is, you know, pansexual through that stuff and possibly polyamorous as well. Um, and it's, it's not made a big deal of it just is the case um, as it is, you know, in these relationships too. Really well done. I thought that's very, um, you know, not too overstated, not too overstated uh, while still being very uh, clear and textual. Yeah. Especially for the nineties. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Like putting no one, that in context of 1995, like that's, yeah, that was a little yeah. Yeah, it's, it's off still going to be a few more years between like Willow and Tara, right? Yeah. yeah. For the record, <laughs> this is one year after Ace Ventura Pet Detective. Yeah. Yeah. No, which I guess we were talking about Interview with a Vampire and, and, and Louis and um, Lestat. Lestat are both canonic, canonically, canonically queer, as is the um, other character, the Antonio Banderas character's name. Armand. Armand. Thank you. Obviously, you know these. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's. Uh, it's all there in that as well, um, you know, although it's seemingly quite a bit less than what it was in the books. <laughs> relationship yeah, in, The movies were suggestive, but they, they didn't actually have a scene where, you know, one of them puts their hand on the other one's leg. It was all, you know, very theatrical. Yeah. You know, the, the scene between Boya and Earl was very intimate and kind of cute yeah. because of how, like, um fussy earl was and how boy is like okay yeah <laughs> um i feel like and, the louis uh, and armand stuff gets closer to that than the louis and lestat stuff which seems like a very like power dynamic thing their relationship yeah yeah and i mean of course in the books it's a lot more um explicit yeah, but the yeah yeah uh, <laughs> but in the movie and then also like Anyway, the the movie is a lot of them like going like making duck face at each other and like going ah blah. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> oh my god, that was an amazing. <laughs> uh, I feel like I've just rewatched the movie. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's basically a movie in this. <laughs> now you need uh, angry little girl screaming and then yeah yeah um, movie. <laughs> That's in that movie of the the whole Claudia thing was pretty awkward, you know, thinking about that too deeply. Yeah. But um, you know, this movie doesn't have that. So um yeah, it's well, for it. That's one yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know what else it doesn't have? People of color. Yeah, uh, they're in the yeah. background, maybe, but none of one. them have speaking there was, role. There was one I saw. <laughs> There's one large black uh seemingly either a he seems to be a trucker from yeah. this like group of guys that hangs out here at night and he's in every scene where they're in the donut shop and there's people yep. there because they filmed all of the donut scenes in one <laughs> fucking day with yeah. one set of extras yeah and he doesn't have any lines or any no. any real personhood at all he's no part of the part of the setting but yeah. his his she's really good friends with demi moore and she's like looking good a little tired <laughs> but it's not actually demi moore at least as far as we know but maybe. maybe. Uh, what about uh, class? Does this movie have anything to say about class, guys? 
Nothing no. good. I, <laughs> I think there's the bowling alley and like some shoes leave smudges and some leave marks and you want to be a mark shoe person and not a smudge shoe? I don't fucking know. <laughs> yeah, that whole that whole speech okay. was pretty convoluted because like you're in a bowling alley, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Like why would she be in a bowling alley if you're not going to bowl? So it, are you just that kind of like, are you just such an asshole that you just demand to fuck up the bowling alley floors every time you bowl? Swiss are you just there because, bowling alley. Yeah, yeah, do you wear your like steel toe boots there with the I nails I believe wholeheartedly that that character played by David Cronenberg has never bowled. He goes to the bowling alley every day and he has never picked up a ball unless it's to smash somebody's head in. Cronenberg yeah. is giving speeches like he's in the private VIP section of his high-end nightclub and yeah. not in a place where teenagers get chili fries. <laughs> <laughs> it should be in the it's box so next to Drake, right? Oh, yeah. God. Oh, it'd be a few years. I, this was uh, this was definitely first generation uh, Degrassi. Not yeah, I, yeah. I was gonna say, like, can, like, can we can we get Degrassi era Drake in here? Oh my god! Please? Sorry, I was just suddenly transported, but um, I'm back now. <laughs> uh, so I, I guess the last of these questions is uh, you talked you touched on this a little bit, Emily, but is is this movie feminist? Do we think? I I think it was maybe trying to be in a couple of places but i don't i don't think it necessarily hit the mark um it, it might have been aiming it, at it but um it doesn't pass the bechdel test that's uh -uh. for sure uh -uh. no i mean it, <laughs> there's, like, there's literally there are, one scene where two women talk to each other and it is and specifically only, about a man about yeah, a man exactly yep no, like that's it. You know, we talk about are there female characters well-rounded? Are they developing? We have a film here where there are not a ton of characters that have a lot of development. Um, there are only two female characters, but there are only like a handful of male characters as well. Now, could has some of those characters that have been female? Yeah, could have been. Um, does, they're really, we're not dealing with a large cast here. So it's not like... Um, there's a, a giant discrepancy. Um, and frankly, I, to my mind, Molly had one of the better sort of developed characters uh, of all of them. There was Molly and there was Earl who were actually characters. And other than that, Boya got up there a little bit and then everybody else had kind of that one dimensional paint. You know, this is your characteristic and that is what you are. <laughs> you were lucky if you got that. Yeah. <laughs> you might not even get a name. <laughs> Rita, you are old and unhappy. Yes. Yeah. But they are memorable. Yes. Like, that's the thing about the characters is that each one of them, you know, they may be uh, cartoons, but even Earl is a bit cartoony, but he's oh, yeah. at least entertaining. A bit cartoony. <laughs> Earl is a bit cartoony. He, the only thing lacking from making our Earl a cartoon is the actual act of cartooning. Yeah. Earl, is, <laughs> yeah, Earl, is on one dimension yeah. too, Earl is one dimension too many to be in two town for Roger Rabbit. <laughs> I mean, he, he has like maybe, I don't know, he may be like 3D glasses three-dimensional. But, but he, that he, also involves him not even knowing how to wear 3D glasses. Yeah, no, he, well, wears them, he wears them sideways on his head with his 80s bandana. <laughs> yeah, with his Mr. Gumby bandana. So, I mean, I guess at least for me, the fact that some of the characters lacked a little bit in depth didn't seem to be um, 
gender specific. Yeah. So yeah. while it wasn't necessarily breaking any ground for feminism, it certainly wasn't setting us back. Yeah. I think the female gaze is the the most feminist thing about this movie. I think that, you know, yeah. there's certainly some good insight, especially into how the, the women are handled in the movie. And, and the, dressed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I think when we're talking about like, I mean, I know this was a psychic sex scene as compared to an actual sex scene, but looking at things like Cabin in the Woods, where like, you know, she is unnecessarily undressed to have sex in the woods and they make a point of pointing the camera directly at her boobs um, mm-hmm. and talking about it in the movie. Uh, I, you know, this like, he is completely naked. Yeah. Everything, everything but, you know, the R-rated parts showing and uh, she's, you know, wearing a t-shirt in bed and, you know, she's still writing very suggestively Boy is very clearly the character this movie is interested in sexualizing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But you know, uh, one of I, I mentioned earlier in the show that the uh, the movie was nominated for three genies. One of the genie awards that it was nominated for was for costuming. Huh. Mm. Yeah. Uh, that was interesting and relevant given the t-shirt comment and um, some of the, the practical things. So many All coats. The coats. Yeah. I feel it had to have been for the coats. I, <laughs> and those shoes. And those hey, and the shoes. That coat held the lemon juice. It did. Yeah. Oh, now he's got his black coat and somebody else will hold the lemon juice for him. Yeah. <laughs> what happens when you move up in the world. Yeah. Moted past the level of competence, right? Jimmy, give me the lemon juice. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, boss. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my eye. I got lime juice. Get out of here with that. Nobody wants that. It was on sale. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. I, I suppose. <laughs> now, guys, uh, do we think this movie is worth seeing? Yes. Yes. Holy yes. shit, yes. So, oh, yeah. my God. Run. Run to Amazon Prime, watch this movie. Holy shit. I mean, I certain people I think, you know, would not appreciate this movie's attitude towards pacing. That's me right here. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean This was a movie that an hour, hour and a half in, I was like, what is going on? Why am I <laughs> watching this movie? Like nothing is happening he just keeps throwing himself around this dirty apartment that he's living in nothing about this movie made sense it was incredible see i'm so used to like indie films and surrealist work that i'm like okay i can find the threads they're there even if they're not actually like if the if the artist you know if the those the the arbiters of this medium don't have the intent of this connection, I will make it. I was going to say, it doesn't matter. Now, the audience is just as much. Now, yeah. I can't follow the thread, but I, this, it's definitely not a sweater and I can't follow the thread, but I feel like the careers have just jumbled all the thread up and somehow like a knitting needle has gotten stabbed in a cadaver. And I'm like, yeah, I'll fucking, I'm down for this. Whatever the hell you're making. They connected it to the cadaver with jelly and they're electrocuting it. Yeah, yeah. And, so, and it became a movie. I'm I like, like, I don't know how, but you strangled yourself with the sweater thread and it was a fucking good show. Exactly. No, I do. I feel like, okay, yes, worth seeing, but for particular audiences, right um because this is a bit of a content warning as well like i just feel like niche 90s indie canadiana is just it's not for the faint of heart it just isn't (laughs) yeah depending on what you know where your heart is like if you've had a lot of donuts oh yeah um all the all the donuts and tim horton's coffee (laughs) that really like 
strengthens your palate. I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, gotta say, I, I wouldn't recommend this one. Um, you know, if, if you've listened to this conversation and you think that sounds like a movie I want to see, then you you should probably see it. Otherwise, it's it's probably one to steer clear of because it's uh it's too long to be as weird as it is. <laughs> like if if, it, if for a movie to be this weird, it should be short. You should get in and get out. Um, <laughs> this was literally like I was angry at this movie up to the point that like she Frankensteined him on the hood of the car. At which point I was like okay maybe you won me back over i don't know but yeah the previous hour at that point have you met my friend david lynch right Uh, (laughs) he can like spit on a piece actually i think he has spit on a piece of paper and put it in a gallery and i'm like whoa you know like i'm not gonna say that this makes me like you know privy to any sort of secret of the world like i'm just a sucker for this shit i mean i think that this actually is more coherent than some of that like you know it's definitely i cared more about the characters in this movie than i did the characters in mulholland drive even though they were you know like very explicitly i think a little too male gazy gay the yeah this this movie is of its time in a way that I think certain people would definitely appreciate. And there is something to be said about movies that it maybe aren't great movies in the the right, like in the uh, the plot, but there are those movies out there where every character is memorable and, and enjoyable. To, well, I mean, there's room, you know, or like The Fifth Element is yes. one that I like to, to mention about that because that movie is so dumb. It is, but that I can't movie. stop watching it. <laughs> yeah, that movie is dumb as fuck and I love it I so much. And every character is memorable. Every, like, most of the scenes are, like, there's even characters in the background, like the, the guys that, like, clean up the the airplane or yes. whatever like they debug it <laughs> yeah all of those guys which are like you know i mean kind of bad rastafarian stereotypes but like still you know all of the actors are putting you know tricky's in that movie um <laughs> you all of the poems <laughs> yeah and like the, even the guy with the thing on his head in the beginning mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> And can we talk about Rudy, Rudy Giuliani just sort of channeling that movie a little bit? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, but like this movie, of course, is not as, as over the top and as like super crazy as that. But there, you know, there are these movies where you you find it and it's the characters just watching the characters try to figure out what the fuck they're doing is interesting in and of itself. You know, I think that's why people watch Twin Peaks is because... Yeah. That's why I watch Twin Peaks. Also, there's weird shit that I like, but um, it's it's the characters that really drive that show. And this is sort of, a, I feel like this is a, a spiritual successor to that in a way. Like there's definitely the influence there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like, I like weird stuff, but for me, it has to swing a little bit bigger than this one did. This one is yeah. just sort of like, it's, it's weirdness level sort of oscillated throughout the movie. It's a lot of like, <laughs> this is a real weird scene. Oh, wait, this is just a scene of a, a man sitting around for you know five minutes in his, his dark hotel room listening to rats in the walls um, <laughs> yeah yeah i mean fifth element you're certainly never bored in that movie yeah nope. that's the it. movie that you eat popcorn to mm-hmm. <laughs> uh well with that uh, out of the way do we have any recommendations for what people might enjoy if they if they like this movie or they want something like this uh Bronwyn, do you have anything yeah i have a few um All right some weird so, Canadian shit in here yeah yes. exactly exactly um 
so for weird Canadian shit, I got a little bit of a spectrum here. So if you want to go straight horror, weird Canadian shit, you got to go straight Cronenberg existence. That is messed up. Just can't. I'm not recommending it, but I'm saying you see, you should see it. <laughs> um, if you want to go more into the indie Canadiana side of things, because that's what you enjoyed, I recommend Last Night. 90s, same sort of setting. End of the world in Toronto. What do you do if it's your last night? Um, Sandra O. Oh, fantastic. Oh. Yeah, really, really good. Um, and if you want to get a sense of a slightly more modern uh, feel for Canadiana, um, Bone Cop, Bad Cop. Bone Cop? Bone Cop, Bad Cop which you have to watch with subtitles because oh, yeah. you get a very specific lesson in conjugating French. And by French, I mean Quebecois, mm -hmm. swear words. Ah, oh, good. And it is spectacular. And Colm Fiore is wonderful in it. And it is absolutely hysterical. And it's just, uh, yeah, it's got all the heart of a Canadian movie, but a slightly higher budget. And when I say slightly, I mean higher than this but <laughs> i mean not hollywood <laughs> right all things being relative yes exactly uh but no it's a spectacular movie it's just yeah feel good and uh, lots of fun great performances um pretty successful movie overall not horror cool but there's definitely some uh there's definitely a, a little bit of blood in that one so uh all right emily what you got oh have I got it? Um, if you are interested in seeing weird, slightly uh, oddly paced, um, sensual vampire movies with queer content, I have a list, especially nice. those from the 80s and 90s. Um, I will highlight, I mean, we all know about the Lost Boys. Um, but this movie felt very much like in some places. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there was a very, there was a big Lost Boys vibe. Um, however, there's also The Hunger with that's, that's uh, Susan Sarandon. That's of, of yes. movies to watch on here at some point. Yeah, so if you like watching people sit in a room and listen to Rats on the Wall, but it's David Bowie, that is, uh, that is what The Hunger has for you. Um, if you like to see um, Susan Sarandon and I can't remember the name of the other actor, but she, you know, there's this incredible lesbian scenes with a lot of doves. It's just good. And then the opening. <laughs> Sorry, I just had this uh, just picture of a of a lesbian sex scene with like John Woo doves behind it. Yeah. <laughs> you think that's a joke? <laughs> oh, that shit happens in this movie. Amazing. They're in like a bed and doves are everywhere. Yes. But, <laughs> um yes like 100 percent. also the the Let john woo direct the l word yeah right <laughs> um <laughs> there is the the first like five to ten minutes of this movie are some of the most incredible like quintessential goth vampire shit you will ever see because it is david bowie and his vampire mistress at a goth club watching bauhaus peter murphy on the screen sing bella lugosi's dead as they feed on people oh the other woman in this is catherine deneuve by the way oh Catherine, thank you thank you thank you thank you 
of course they're you know they do great i mean there's a lot of very subtle like looking at each other some some weird like synthesizer plays and some light rakes in and their dubs um the other one i'm thinking of is nadia which is presented by david lynch not not he's only just like there to be like it's all i like it but um (laughs) That one is a, is a black and white uh, lesbian vampire indie movie that's about like coming of age and like menstruation. I don't remember it as well, so I'm not going to talk about it too much. And then there is a comic that has to do with vampires and a little bit of queer content in that one. Actually, there's a lot more, um, but it's a really hard comic to find, I think. It's called Pet Shop of Horrors. It is a manga about a vampire who runs a magical pet shop where it's basically like gremlins but every single it's episodic so every single episode something happens to somebody that's like a weird morality tale about the the pet that they buy that like looks like a person and then or it looks like the person that they murdered or something like that and and uh there's a bit in there about men walking on the moon and ruining the moon because they destroyed all of the mythology about the moon because they walked on the moon and proved that it wasn't there that's the place where my head went when I heard um, Boya talk about the moon in this movie and his like weird obsession with the moon. I don't know if that's actually anything close to what the the creators intended. But um, if you're interested in in vampires and like you know a vampire and a and a police detective who looks like Mel Gibson in Lethal Weapon and their their tension. If you can find that comic, it's Tokyo Pop. There is an anime like OVA of it that's actually pretty good. It only has four episodes. And uh, it's, uh, it's, it's, I could talk a lot about it, but we'll move on. And that is by, that's the one by Mitsuri Akino. Yes, thank you. Yes. No problem. Research. Um, all you, right, Ben, Danny. what you got? Oh man, this was a tough one because fucking nothing is like this goddamn movie. <laughs> but if you want something moody and gothic and dark and atmospheric and dreamy, uh, I'm going to say The Crow. Mm-hmm. Seconded. Um, yep, uh, the 1994 film. Love it. The Crow is the only movie that is actually, The Craft wasn't as influential on me as The Crow was, but The Crow was like chef's kiss. Talk about a movie where all the characters are memorable. It's a very special kind of very of its time movie. I would and, call that movie and comic. A, a, well, the the comic I wouldn't call perfect, but the movie I would call perfect the same way that you would say Pirates of the Caribbean is perfect. Because mm-hmm. it is the crow is definitely a little bit more like spooky and violent, you know, and also tragic because of the the loss of Brandon Lee, but. Um, I feel like the crow is just so what it is as Ben said it's it's a really like a paramount example of that kind of 90s grungy urban fantasy now for my recommendation Ben said a thing which is there's nothing like this movie which I would argue that there is one thing like this movie and it is the film Innocent Blood which is a (laughs) which is basically the American version of this with everything that that implies uh, oh, no. Okay. Yes. Uh, Period plays the the sexy vampire who is the main character of this Mori, and uh, she gets involved in the middle of a uh, battle between American police and the Italian mafia, the very Italian mafia, uh, like based out of a pizza parlor Italian mafia. The the sexy detective that she falls for is played by Anthony LaPaglia. The the uh, insane crime boss who ends up getting vampirized and uh, 
becoming a vampire mafioso is played by Chaz Palminateri. And this movie is nuts. It has all the weirdness of uh, of Blood and Donuts with none of the restraint. Um, <laughs> it's just like it's over the top start to finish and it's ridiculous. And it does have, I will, I will cop to, it has a lot of male gaze in it because this is a very sexy French vampire lady that uh, just is, is naked for like no reason in several scenes. And it's, it's directed by John Landis. So take that oh for God. what it's worth. <laughs> mm. I, I want to add a recommendation that is very much like this movie, except without restraint. And that is Vampire's Kiss. Okay. That is a, the Nicolas Cage movie where all the memes are from. <laughs> that movie is wild. And it is about as coherent as this movie. Um, it's actually a little bit, I think it's a little bit better. We, we might be able to talk about it at some point. But um, that movie is something else. Yeah, as, a, as like a weird crazy vampire movie with crime <laughs> um yeah so also with the bonus of is, is they're actually a vampire we don't know because <laughs> maybe it's nicholas cage just being crazy i mean that is always a possibility i'm seeing that jennifer beals and maria conchito alonzo are in this movie this looks oh and david hyde pierce oh uh-huh. that, that sounds like a bit part but Oh yeah, yeah, it's definitely a bit part. Yeah, there's a prolonged scene where Nicolas Cage, okay, first of all, Nicolas Cage thinks he's a vampire and he tries to buy fangs from like a weird shop and he can't afford like the good fangs. So he gets a set of like Halloween plastic fangs like you get out of the vending machine. Oh no. And he goes to a club and he's like, oh, vampire. and and then there's a scene where he like talks to himself for like a minute straight in the in the street and then like the sun hits him and he starts freaking out and he just passes out that movie is definitely watchable (laughs) there are some there's some content warnings i would say especially like how he just is really abusive of his um uh of his secretary that does it for recommendations that is certainly uh a variety of interesting ones for you to check out. Now, before we leave, we want to let everybody know where they can find us online. Bronwyn, where can people find you online? Uh, you can find me on all the social things at Shiny Baby B. You can find our podcast, The Ladies of Valhalla, um, at our website, ladiesofvalhalla.com. Uh, and you can even find us on Patreon at Patreon slash Ladies of Valhalla. Awesome. And Emily, what about you? I'm Mega Moth on pretty much most uh, social media on Twitter, on uh, Tumblr, uh, megamoth.net on the internet, and uh, mega underscore moth on Instagram. And uh, yeah, Mega Moth on Patreon. Awesome. And, and Ben, what about you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at, at BenTheCon. Uh, my next graphic novel, uh, Renegade Rule, a queer esports co- action comedy from Dark Horse Comics, uh, is coming out June 2021. Uh, so be on the lookout for that. And all my other works are available on Comixology or Amazon. Awesome. And as for me, you can find me at Twitter and Instagram at jrome58. That's J-R-O-M-E-5-8. My website is jeremywhitley.com. Uh, and I do have a new book coming out in June, School for Extraterrestrial Girls, book two. Uh, the first one is already out and available in stores. And uh, just this month, I had uh, Raven the Pirate Princess, book nine, came out in stores. 
So you can uh, pick that up anywhere comics are sold. As for the podcast, uh, you can find us at patreon.com slash progressively horrified if you want to help out the show. Uh, you can find our Twitter at prog horror pod. Uh, our website is progressively horrified.transistor.fm. And uh, if you would please, wherever you're listening to this, uh, subscribe, rate, and review it as many stars as are humanly possible. We would love for you as, for you to give those to us. That is it for this episode. I do want to thank uh, all you guys for joining us. Thanks for being here. Thank you. Thank yeah. you for having me. This is awesome. This uh, is so awesome. much fun. Oh my god. <laughs> and yep. uh, thanks to all of you all for listening. Uh, and we will see you right back here next week, where we're going to be talking about the uh, documentary about the history of black horror. Horror Noir. Progressively Horrified is created and produced by Jeremy Whitley. This episode featured Jeremy Whitley, Ben Kahn, Emily Martin, and Bronwyn Kelly Say. All opinions expressed by the commentators are solely their own, and not intended to represent the intent or opinion of the filmmakers, nor do they represent any of the employers, institutions, or publishers of the commentators. Our theme music is Epic Darkness by Mario Cole of 6 and was provided royalty-free from Pixabay. Contact us on Twitter at ProgHorrorPod or by email at ProgressivelyHorrified at gmail.com. And finally, our special guest tonight, environmental scientist in one portion of... Wait, hold on. Uh, one portion? I didn't, that's not even what I wrote. Uh, uh.